Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. I am very honored to have a very good friend with me in the house. But before I get to him, I would like to do something that I've never done before. I would like to leave a recommendation to our audience and all our listeners. Um, I would like you guys to check out um, a podcast called WTF. And, you know, this is an explicit podcast anyway. We're adults here. But kids can listen to, but... Um, yeah, parents, yeah, you know, guide your kids, but it's a great conversation, which is why I'm recommending this conversation. It's called WTF with Mark Maron, a great comedian, episode 1278. It's titled Counseled Comedy. Um, it features Cliff Nesteroff and David Bianculi. I'm not sure if I pronounced the last name correctly, but uh, it touches on something which many people claim, you know, nowadays we're worried about council culture and all that. But there's a lot of great history in this episode. And you find out a lot of the language that we use today to talk about council culture. And uh, people say, oh, I'm afraid to make jokes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been around for over 60 years, over 100 years. And when you listen to this conversation, you many of you will change your opinion on how you address setting topics so i recommend this um conversation and i'll be doing this with every episode going forward i'll put out a recommendation maybe a book or a podcast uh, i listen to other podcasts too and um, other shows and I'll, i want people to also check them out and um, well mark maron is a bigger podcaster than myself so it's not like i'm helping his, his show but it's this is something that i believe everybody will benefit from so with that being said um WTF with Mark Maron, episode 1278. That's the episode I want you guys to check out. Um, yeah, and with that being said, uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to whitelabelamerican.com. Um, drop your five-star reviews, leave feedback, written or by voicemail, access to donations, match, everything's available there. Um, the, the first, we've been getting new people subscribing, so thank you all. Before the end of the year, we're going to... Um, um, the first, I know the first five subscribers definitely getting T-shirts. Um, the most recent subscriber on iTunes will definitely get a T-shirt too. I've, I forgot to get his name before the recording of this episode, so I'll put your name out at the next episode. And watch out on social media too. I'll put your name out there. Um, yeah, I think that's all the house announcements I have to make, and then I can jump into today's guest. So www.whitelabelamerican.com. Go out there, subscribe, you know. Yeah, help the web uh, website grow, help us grow. All righty, let's meet today's awesome guest, my brother from another mother. And yeah. he is my official general. You know, those of you who know me, you know I'm an uh, aspiring dictator. And when you, you know, you all don't know which country I'm going to, you know, take over yet, but that doesn't matter right now. It's not important. That's not on, on the topic of the day. Today's guest is the general who will be by my side when I start this. Um, um, you know, dictatorship, and he's uh, a comedian, he's a media personality, he's a Seattle game changer, he's born, he was, he's um, originally uh, from Eastern Africa, he's an entrepreneur, 
He's the host of the African Excellist podcast. This brother has so many things to his name that, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface, but we'll try and get into as many as possible um, in this um, episode, you know, while we get in here. So I'm honored to introduce Dennis Maronga, my brother and good friend. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. Blessed, highly favored, my brother. Thank you for having me, man. Bigger intro, bigger intro. I like it, man. But uh, hey, you're giving me too much sun. I'm just a humble guy. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I, I know. I know you have to. You know, as, as a top general, you know, in the greatest um, unit in the world, you know, you have to always come in humble. So it's my job to, you know, pump you up. You know, <laughs> I, I, I pump my people up. You know, I, 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 I got you. you. I got you. <laughs> Commander in chief, I appreciate you. When you take over, whichever country you take over, just give me the name, give me the code, give me the instruction. We'll, we'll go over. So people are going to be listening now, like, what, what, what are these people talking about? <laughs> where, where, what country should we be watching out for? <laughs> uh, uh, my brother. Thank but you, man. Thank for, you. for those who do not know Dennis, um, what, 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 how, how um, should they know you? you know, who, who is Dennis? I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm from Kenya, Nairobi. I'm a thespian. And... Um, I curate events in the community to help the community grow, heal, and move forward. Uh, I have a podcast called The African Excellist, uh, which I host uh, excellent examples, the excellent mentors that some of us never grew around, and I bring them around teenagers and people who need these resources to survive in the diaspora. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So... um... What made you settle for the name African Excellist? African Excellist. Uh, originally, I'm a stand-up comedian. Yes. Originally, uh, I had the General Mutombo uncut. This was when I was going through my, uh, my counseling. I was going through my mentorship program. I was going through my therapist. And I was getting a lot of knowledge during COVID that time. Remember when the pandemic hit us? My mm-hmm. industry was really butchered. It, basically got vanished. There was no shows, there was nothing public, there was no assembly of any sort. So the uh, the podcast became my outlet, like to bring people in, I joke with them. I started doing uncut podcasts on the outside. I'd rent, I'd, I'd rent a piece of, a, of the park, like for just a, like an hour or two, yeah. and then have the podcast there with people outside, just like social distancing. But I wanted to reach more people, so I started recording at home. But the uncut was very raw, very... Uh, I'm still finding myself, I'm healing, but this message is not what I could be in the future. So soon as I morphed and my spirit changed, my message also shifted. My message shifted from pain, hurt, recovery to how can I give back to you? Hmm. So Uncut was more, I'm raw. Okay. It's all about the general. But African excellence is more like, uh, let me bridge this gap. What's missing in the Seattle African community? I was inspired by a movie called The Excellence. It's a German movie about the top tier, high performing people in the world. Okay. So I found if I put African excellence, the same people who go above and beyond in a different land, in a different space to achieve history, whichever small it is, and bless the community. That's why I named it African Excellence. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. So 
you were um, inspired by a German movie. Yes. Titled The Exorcist. There's a thin line between love and hate, like water and fire, electricity. And you know how you, when you take a shower, you know, I, my razor is next to the tap, right? When you're brushing yeah. your teeth. Mm -hmm. If they touch together, they're lethal. Yeah. But they can coexist. Mm. Same thing, we can learn from our enemies, but be cautious what we are learning. Mm. That's, it, it's important. That's an important point that you make because uh, I am, I have something similarly that I've said in the past that um, when, because I, I grew up with a lot of anti-black um, rhetoric, rhetoric, yes, around me, and that became stuff that I started adapting or adopting in my life. And there's still some, there's even one recently that I just found out from um, one of my, one of the people that I look up to, like I was listening to their show and I'm like, wow, yeah, I still do that. So I'll have to look for a way to take that out of my life. And, right. uh, but what you just pointed out about, you know, learning from your enemies. Uh, yes, I, I agree with that. And, uh, and I, I agree that I, I believe where many people make the mistake is that you know they they look like oh um, you know when when you put like oh for um, a good example is using like Republicans coming to Africa or evangelicals coming right. white evangelicals coming to Africa and like oh in the name of missionary and, and in the present day and telling Africans to kill their gay people lock your gay people up yes. And Correct. we're like, oh yeah, you know, we, we, because we have we're fellow Christians, we have to go with them. And you know, I'm like, yes. yeah, but you know, is that where you want to go? That kind of route. But nobody asked any question there, you know. And then we just told us, yeah, yeah, we're following them, we're following. But it's like, we, so, but when you travel, you have Nigerians, so like, you know, being born in Nigeria, to go to like Dubai, and then you see like, oh, they have a good. Um, train infrastructure and all that in place there and you come back home we're like oh we don't need to implement that we're going to go implement something that is way more grander than that but you haven't started something small why don't you start the small stuff oh no we don't need to start the small stuff we need to start the much bigger stuff and something that you know yes. will become a white elephant project because mm. nobody else will be able to complete it and then yes you end up there's so many so, there's so many post off there there's so many it, hotels yeah so many resorts it just, so many but everybody yeah. everybody yeah. takes money from it and then you know everybody siphons money through that and then yeah, well, but after like 30 years one government finally show up and say, we, we can no longer do this it's a waste we've been wasting money on this let us go start all over again and do something and, brand then, do another project. and then that's how it, it's totally thrown away and all that is you know, if you look at the beginning, they all claim to be, oh, we are copying our colonial master, or we are copying uh, white people, we are copying Western, or we are copying China, we are copying, but that's, it's, are you really copying for the right reason? That's the question, yeah. you know? So that's, that's why I love the points that you made about, you know, you can learn from your enemy, but you yeah, have to be careful absolutely. about what you're learning. What you're learning. And how yeah, you're you can implementing just... it too. Correct. So. And also, well, like like you mentioned, well, when they come to Africa, they're coming as friends. Mm -hmm. You see, we're learning a lot more bad things from friends. Yep. The enemies who we were told not to associate with could help. 
That's what I'm saying. The balance is important. Mm. When you listen to okay. one person, you say, this is my friend and this is my friend and this is my friend. That friend is the one misleading you and that's why you follow blindly. And that's why you take everything they're telling you without some type of cautious. Why don't you, why don't, why isn't this person not getting the same benefit? Mm. Why aren't you okay. going to these guys and telling them to change? Why are you coming to us? What are you trying to get from us? And then you consult this person. I'm like, what kind of relationship did you have before us? Mm. That's that's another good point there too. Excellent points, my brother. So before we continue, to... I have this joke. I have this joke. I always tell people. Yeah. Uh, when when I do my stand up, I always say, when I came to America, my my biggest surprise from the first day I land here is TV showing rescue dogs, rescue horses, rescue lizard, rescue lion, rescue, rescue, rescue. When I go to the TV in the afternoon, I see people jumping over the zoo. They're rescuing things. But when I got to the school. Just outside the school, there were white people outside being snowed in and rained on. I was like, how come nobody's rescuing in this woods? They don't rescue them. This one, they, don't, they don't jump the lion to get <laughs> Ask the audience, why don't you rescue the white people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of jumped ahead, but um, I'm glad you. I'm glad that's the joke that you made because that was me when I arrived. And my brother took me to, my elder brother took me to um, D.C., uh, Washington, uh -huh. D.C. And uh, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm a brand new in America, you know. And, you know, he's, you know, he's been, he was born here and then taken back to Nigeria uh -huh. and then comes back. Uh, yesterday was actually his birthday, but we haven't talked in a while. So happy birthday to you. Um, mm -hmm. And he... You know he's the, he, he's from the area, so he's just walking his way, and I'm like trying to catch up to him. I'm like, why is this guy walking so fast? You know, I'm, I'm trying to look, oh, oh, looking everywhere. Look, I'm looking everywhere. Oh. And this guy comes uh, up to me and is like, hey, my brother, uh, hey brother, uh, can I can I can I get a dollar? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, I'm brand brand, you know. So I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have um, I don't have money. I'm you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to explain it myself. Hey, my brother, uh -huh. I'm gone, and he looks back like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, he asked for one dollar. You know, I, I don't have dollars. I don't have any money. He looked mm -hmm. nice. He like he's homeless. How many of them are you going to talk to? I say, how many of them? What do you mean, how many of them? How many of them are like, there? Like, uh, <laughs> he, he's homeless. He don't look homeless. I'm like, he, you know, have you seen homeless people before? Like, come on, let's I go. Just, and I'm like, uh -huh. why, why my bra so mean? Why are you so mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, um, mm -hmm. what do you mean? That guy homeless? That guy can be homeless. You know, I'm thinking homeless. You don't have clothes. Food. Because homeless people, I'm used to, they don't have clothes. I'm expecting them to look one way. Man, yes. next thing, my brother, oh, you want to see homeless? Come, come, take me to, uh, um, I think, DuPont Circle. Yeah. They were like, yeah. load of them. They were like, right, go, go, go talk to them. Then you want to talk? All right, go talk. I'm like, what? How did you go homeless? What? In America? The capital too? <laughs> What? What? Uh -huh. What? <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I'm like, where all the money? Uh, I told me I have money. Do they have money for them? Where? What do you mean? I went. I went to Philly. I saw African crackheads in Philadelphia for a oh. show. I went there for an African restaurant show. They are out there, zombies completely. I'm like, you're African. I swear, your mother yep. does not know you're doing this. My my, my brother, my uh, brother, has introduced me to someone like that because uh, um, the guy actually there was one who. That guy, he's he's like he's used. He enjoys being homeless. Actually, he he has a big mansion at home. His family doesn't know he's homeless in America, but he yes. has a business in Nigeria. But he, he, there are some people who, for some, yes. it's a real thing. It's a real problem. But there are some who are like I will, and that's another thing we need to talk about. That there are some people who, 
this mentality of I will save all the money I'm getting here rather than stay in a house. I would rather stay in a homeless shelter, put all that money, and then go build a mansion back home that I will stay in only in December. <laughs> That's when I'll go because for that on one December that Igbo people do, this guy has cars that I will never be able to buy in Nigeria. And, and I'm like, damn, you don't have a place to stay in America. But whatever this guy is doing, he's getting money. And then all the money is shipped to Nigeria. And then he lives large just once a year, goes back home, okay. lives once a year. And you're like, wow, that is a whole new level of homeless. And I don't think you should be, you should be homeless. But right. it's, it's, yeah, I've seen different type of people who are homeless. And I'm like, man, that, that, that. so there are some Africans who are homeless. And I'm like, I don't know which, because when I meet an African who's homeless, I'm like, are you that category or are you the real homeless? Because I've met the real ones. And then I meet this one, so like I'm saving all my money. I'm like, yeah, but you don't deserve to be in the snow or in the rain or in the elements. You know, it's not it's not good for you. I health. met a lot of I met a lot of friends uh, when we I went to Wichita State University, which was in uh, Kansas in 2008. Yeah, uh, I came in as a freshman. I was coming to do a, a dental program. I thought I was going to be a dentist. I ended up being that uh, people just see people's teeth at uh, comedy clubs. But uh, anyway. <laughs> And who was helping me? So I came with people, and uh, halfway from Lagos, uh, halfway from Lagos, actually, one of the most prominent kids who was in our class was the son of your general in Nigeria, uh, in Jerica. I think he's one of your senior. Oh, I think he's he's retired. I think they retired him or they fired him. Oh, or retired him. Yes, yeah. his son was called Kingsley in Jerica, so he was he was in the front of the class. Yeah, and some other people. He was different. He was flamboyant. You know his father. Of course. But the rest of the kids. The rest of the kids, I swear, would skip meals to send some money back home. And we were making, like, minimum wage. We are making, like, mm -hmm. I think $4, I don't know, $5 back then. Uh, I was working at Chick-fil-A inside the Radigan Center, inside the Student Center. And I'm like, from this little money, this little money, you have not even bought yourself underwear in this, in this country. The toothbrush you're using is from Kenya. Like, you bought it long, long before, before. You don't toothbrush even want to buy expired. Anything. It's expired. Like the, the thing, everything you're using is not new. You've never treated yourself. They don't want to cut their hair at the barber shop. Oh, they yeah. don't cut it themselves. Yeah. 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 Sending that. all the money home. And then I realized that their their energy is wrong. You know, when you're not treating yourself, you become a, a, a pessimist. Mm. When you see people buy things, ah, look at him. What are you trying to show us? Yeah. You think we don't have. But nobody has told you not to show if you have. Yeah. Oh, now you're eating. And then that's the time Facebook had started. So a lot of people are skeptical. It's like TikTok last year. Mm -hmm. It's like Instagram three years ago. So that's the time Facebook started. So people are like, hey, these people are acting on social media. Who do you want to show? You know, people from High Five, remember? People yeah, High Five. That, that, was, that, was this, that was this year. <laughs> people from MySpace are pissed off. They're acting here. Uh, so high here? Five was the place, man. <laughs> hey, you have High Five. Who are you, bro? Who are you? And then you have to <laughs> and then high five, you have two American friends sending you postcards. Oh, oh wow. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You know, you know, when I'm one of the biggest culture shocks when I moved here was when we used to communicate in Africa, uh, we communicate. Like we communicate. Yeah. You wrote. You wrote and wrote. Let me tell you what happened on Monday. Let me tell you what happened on Tuesday. Before I ask for money. Before uh -huh. I ask for money, yeah. I have written you a good one month what happened. I have made exactly. That. <laughs> End of the story. Hey, my brother, white label American. Now, you know, I have a situation. If you 
if you if you are generous with fifteen dollars, I'll be fine. I'll I'll this was of this my cousins now they ask for money direct. Hello, send money. I'm like, entertain me. Where is the where is the, where is the money? Hey, hey, you write me off. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, we I used to go to cyber cafes. You know, back then and you, and pay per minute. Yeah, so it's pay per minute, right? Or you could pay the staff to send your email. So I will, I, I will type, I will write the whole, um, you know, like uh, what what they call the notebook, the longer notebook, the longest one. The, the notebook, yes, yes. Uh -huh. So I'll they get like two pages full and then uh -huh. just pay for one email. <laughs> <laughs> you were smarter than me. Smarter so it got to one I stage. It got to one stage, the, the, the poor girl at the cafe, she said, this woman look at me and she said, you know what? I'm tired. She, she was tired of typing. Because <laughs> anytime I show up, it's like a long, long <laughs> parable. I'm coming, long story. I'm coming to say it to, to America. Oh, <laughs> so she like, yeah, do you, would you like to try typing? I said, me? I don't know how to type on computer. She said, you can't type. I said, uh, I, I said you, 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 you want to take yeah. all my money, right? Because you want to charge me how much for this per minute? She said, you know what? My, 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 my old guy is not here today. I will give you this kind of, that, that woman be tired of diving. <laughs> she said, she said, give this kind just, just type, take your time. <laughs> she going to take your time. This, like this guy, this guy, this guy shows up, he's like, whoa, this guy going to be like three pages down. Uh, 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 no, 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 I'm tired. No, uh, uh, just, you type it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I began to type. Remember, remember, remember the if you didn't have a phone, mm -hmm. there's also uh, you could call through the computer. Yes, yes, so yes. You could call there and put small earphones and, mm -hmm. and like try to engage, try to engage. The other person would call, but you cannot hear each other direct because it's not a direct call. So you're like, hello, <laughs> hello, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh. I have arrived. How are you? Like oh, you have to man. wait for it to land. The message you have to land. Otherwise, oh. you'll talk over each other. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Oh, man. Them days, bro. Yeah, you know, I, I know somebody who, who still caught a girl from that. Yeah, for real. Till today. Well, that, man, that's how he came good. to America. He, 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 he was like the 90-day fiancé guy. Got, yeah. got a girl in Trump country. And yeah. as I moved to America, he actually moved before I moved, uh, like six months uh -huh. before I, I, I arrived in America. He came 2006, no, 2007, but um, I think he came like January. I came October. Uh, no, yes. no, I came November. I left yes. uh, October 31st and then I arrived November 1st. And okay. yeah, so he, he, he left pretty, yeah, like, I think he left around January, February. That's when he left. And yeah, now he's a hardcore Trumpite, but unfortunately, but uh, the, the guy... That's how he got the girl. When we used to be in the cyber cafe, do that. Hello. <laughs> they, they, from chatting, it went into phone call, and then she bought a ticket and came down to Portacot. That's beautiful, They got man. married. Yeah. yeah I, remember, I remember that's why I started writing letters, and pen pals started coming, mm -hmm. and uh, some visited Kenya. They came as a school. Some came used to come as a school. Wow. And they would visit like my school, like five of them, and stay at the school for five days, study the people, give donations. And then they go back. Wow. That is why that's that's when my attachment with America started. I started knowing that's where the, I think that is Canaan. Canaan is over there. I have to leave. 
these people leave their country to come here and touch animals. I, I have to go there and see who these people are. <laughs> you, you, you didn't want to go see grizzly bears and. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think, I, at that time, I was not thinking of grizzly bear. The only grizzly bear was poverty. To me, poverty was grizzly bear to me. Ah, <laughs> all right. Me, so we, we, we started today's episode in a different format. And, yeah, you know, thank you for playing along. So now we're going to go back to the very beginning mm -hmm. and kick things like, you know, we will play it in a little way. But uh, okay. before we officially hit things from the beginning, um, We'll take a little break and then okay. we'll be right back with all the goodies all right. that come along right. with having the General Mutombo himself in the studio. Yeah, I appreciate you, bro. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being with us throughout this journey, two years and going. So we've heard you and now we've made it a lot easier for you to subscribe, share, give us feedback and support. So all you got to do is go to www.whitelabelamerican.com. Go up there, www.whitelabelamerican.com. Support our work. You have the Patreon link. You have uh, donations. You have the match store. You have social media links, everything. Feedback. You want to be a guest, you can just drop your um, messages there. You can even leave voicemails also. Everything you want, all at one spot. Easy, smooth, subscribe, like, share, reviews. Leave your feedback. Everything on all episodes. Your favorite episode, your non-favorite, all feedback is welcome. So, let's get started. Hit up the website, share it with your friends, families, and loved ones. And I hope to hear from you. So, be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be. And remember, it's the right thing to do. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Okay, so welcome back, people. Thank you for staying with us. All right, so uh, one question I should have kicked off with is uh, your name, Dennis um, Maronga. I said it right, right? Uh, Maronga, yes. right? Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. so uh, Maronga, uh, what what tribe is that in Kenyan? Uh, what's the meaning? I am uh, half Lua, half Kisi. So oh, I've not heard of Kisi um, before. Uh, Kisi is right by Luo. Kisi is like down the highlands. Okay. Yeah, the big, the biggest, the biggest like dominant tribes. They're not the biggest like in numbers, but like the most influential in Kenya are Kikuyu and Luo. Yeah, Kikuyu. I always I know Kikuyu. But they're loud. They're too loud. That's yeah. why I didn't, I didn't join them. <laughs> my, my, my Kikuyu sister now she will, she will, she will, she be shooting arrows right now. Yeah, like this guy. Yeah. I'm yeah, like okay. Yeah, right, I right, still right, love you. Yeah. I still love you, Shiro. Don't come and bite me now. She, Come and try and bite <laughs> Shout out to you, Shiro. Shout out to you. <laughs> and Kisi, uh, Kisi, uh, they are borderline with uh, Luo and uh, Nyanza, which is on the uh, western part of Kenya, where the highlands are. Compared, it's like Seattle of, uh, it's like Seattle in Kenya. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I really, to be honest, my brother, I never got the privilege of of uh, being blessed with the energy that told me what my name was around or what my name meant. Mm -hmm. So I never knew what it meant. Hey, I that, never know what the name meant. No, no. And uh, I, I, to me, I think it must be somebody very black like myself, or somebody who likes to eat a lot of fufu like myself. So it has to be between <laughs> eater and black. So black eater, or eater black. But I don't know what it is. But one day I'm gonna find out, my brother. Hey, one no day worries. I'm gonna... uh, the wh problem wh is, when you uh, do, share it with me. Share it with me. My problem, my problem with my era was 
we didn't have a lot of documentation uh, uh, and, and and access to history the way a lot of people have it now like access to grandparents in a way that they can they can open up and tell you um that is just i'm talking about my side of the story right my yeah. my history it's it, i didn't have a lot of people who opened up more about what this family meant meant this family heritage a lot of things i'm actually learning now mm. yes yeah. i would have, I have had for years i'm actually getting answers now yeah, so I, gradually I, when I, I feel you on that no, I feel you on that because um, I am also learning a whole lot of things now. And uh, I say in the last two years, I've learned a whole lot of things that has made me have to rechange, um, redo all the information that I had before. And uh, sure. I'm still learning. Like this morning, I've probably learned one or two more new things. So, yeah, yes. it's there's mm -hmm. something new. Like even the episode that I'm... Um, by the time this episode comes out, you know, the episode will already be out. But I had two sisters, uh, two, two um, I call them sisters, but they are two friends from Zimbabwe. Um, it's Layard Podcast, Fantastic Women. Um, they're in two continents. They're in two continents, um, two different time zones, and they do a podcast together. And, man, there's a lot of stuff that they're talking about uh, from the Zimbabwe point of view to South Africa yeah. to being in Czech Republic and Australia. It, it just sounds like, man, you don't even see this. You don't even, yeah. You're not even scratching the surface. Yeah, you're not. And that's why they titled their podcast, It's Layered. And they're right. Every, everything is layered. So yeah. there's a whole lot of information that we are just getting to because everything is layered. So, yeah, that's In what base, I said. Correct. Yeah. So the more we learn, you know, the more you share. And, you know, so, yeah, when you get to those, share it with us, please. And I uh, so, um, your childhood you've given us an insight into your childhood from previous uh previously but um officially yeah. you know tell us more about your childhood um uh, what was it like for you um or the fun stuff that you did and what uh -huh. do you consider your favorite childhood memory oh my my child my childhood was uh was not the was not as fun as i wanted it to be I don't think everybody. I was really happy with the chaos. Yes. Prime example. I was born in Nairobi during a time when resources were still being distributed unequally, depending on how much your father or mother makes in Nairobi. Mm -hmm. So we used to have these things called blackouts, right? Yeah. Blackouts is like power rationing, right? When one side of the city has power, the other side does not have power. It means we are not equally yoked. We are not reading or studying or being educated or having the same available uh, education resources at the same time. So we knew which part of town does not have smart children because their electricity comes later than the other places. <laughs> they wake up later. Their teachers were lazier. Like they are yeah. morning teachers and afternoon teachers. So we would meet sometimes during school and tell them, are you guys ready to connect? Because we already have power. Oh, they man. used to like it. We also, I also, I was, I was born in a military family, so I lived in Langata Barracks. Wow. Langata Barracks is in Nairobi, Kenya. It's the biggest uh, army barracks in the city, mm. and it's bordered by uh, the uh, Niro uh, Kenya's second biggest airport. Uh, it's a private airport called Wilson Airport. Oh, you guys have a private airport? We have private airports all over now. There are so many, but that wow. time it was only Wilson. Yeah, so Wilson Airport. Uh, we lived before the planes land. The barracks was right here, like right here before the planes land. Right? Oh man! Right yeah. So the, all the, you know how that that noise that the plane makes when they're they're they're, they're taking off or mm -hmm. when they land. That's nice pollution. We used to hear it every day. 
Yeah, that, every, that, that's like being on. Uh, that, that, yeah, that's living. Like, my first, um, yeah, my first duty base was an air yes. base in the navy, and I yeah. think that that was when I didn't even realize that that was some of my disabilities that I have. That's when it began, because I couldn't yes. sleep. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that that was a health related issue, but. You know, people say, tough it up, man. You know, my friend, you come, come on, you're a man, and that kind of thing. So I wasn't going to report that I was having, I was struggling with my sleep. I wasn't going to seek medical advice. Yeah, correct. But that, that was where it began. I was, I would just be awake, like my eyes are sharp. I was, because jets, planes are always flying, boom, boom. You're hearing everything, and you're just, your, body's, your brain is not used to it. <laughs> it's and not supposed to be child, that. As a, as a child, my mm -hmm. therapist told me it was a really good habitat to, to to bring up ADHD kids. So a lot of kids from the barracks had that. Mm. And number two, being brought in the army, you get to understand your dad is not the boss. When you're in the barracks, your dad is not the boss. He has a boss. You're the second, boss the second person to have said that on the podcast who, who lived they in the barracks. They come in your house and inspect your house like your dad is living there like a squatter. Is the house clean? They do this in your house and your mother is there. Oh, see. wow. They walk around, the officers walk around the house like your dad is... My dad would come from work. I okay, that, that's different. That's a different thing to Nigerian barracks because the person was here from the Nigerian barracks never mentioned that part. But yeah, that that is much that's similar to living in barracks in the states, but not. Yeah. But if you were military housing as a married person, they don't come to you like married people's homes. They come to all the married quarters. You know, in Africa, they wanted you to be married. My people, yeah. married soldiers, have more money. Yes, but same same thing yeah. here. But and my mom and my mom and dad got together really young. So while my dad is still trying to figure himself out as a private, you'd bring, you know, they allow you to go home and clean your equipment. Yeah. I started touching AK-47 when I was like four years old. I knew how to clean everything. Five wow. years old. I, I knew how to light up the lighter and and burn the boot a little bit after you 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 applied the kiwi. Kiwi was the black, the black uh the what's it called? The black shoe cream. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, kiwi, kiwi, kiwi yes. I used to use the brush to clean his buckle before he goes on the match of the parade yeah, every morning yeah. for the president. I used to clean the hat that had the little copper on it like the, this. The that was the, those are the hobbies of the military kids. You know, when other people are learning how to ride bicycles <laughs> and find out how many goals Ronaldinho was doing. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I the AK like this, yeah, and clean it like that, yeah. yeah. These are the type of bullets that can, we were, met, we were playing with rubber bullets. Those are our games back then. Damn. Uh, yeah. It was fun. It was fun. But growing uh, up uh, in the military uh, was fun. Yeah, there are some memories that you bringing back to me. I I didn't um, live with the mil with a military relative, but um, I lived later on when I was a teenager with my my uncle who was uh, an immigration a senior immigration officer, and right. there were some of the things that you just said were some of the, like your house chores included that when he was home. Yeah, you, you had if you didn't you had you had to know how to iron. The uniforms, yes. but I was lucky that I had older cousins, so they had to take, mm -hmm. they took care of that. But yeah, it was like, yeah, you had to, the, the, the creases had to be in the, the uniforms. The creases had to be. I, I, early, early, <laughs> early, early, early. Shine the shoes and all that. Shine the shoes. Because for their inspections, I mean, that was, yeah, it's like, man, that. that Pull yeah. the towels by the edge of the bed. Uh-huh. Yeah, my so. wife till today. My wife till today gets very mad at me about my obsession with the bed. I'm like, you don't understand where this trauma began. I, I, I get it, but as soon as I got free of that life, I was like, I don't make my bed anymore. My wife does it. She, <laughs> she, she like she, she can't understand why I'm, I don't. I'm like I don't. I'm free. I hate making the bed because 
that angle this, you got to make the, the put that angle 90 and i'm like man hell no I, if i see that destroyed <laughs> yes, 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 it's traumatic yes. when but i also, see it so i have to destroy it <laughs> i'm that guy if i walk in anywhere i see the best shit like that i'm like hell no destroy <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you one more unique thing about that area we are also one fence away borderlining the biggest animal sanctuary in the city is called the kenya national wildlife park it's so oh my big they've got you guys with everything so you got the let me tell you so the animal sanctuary just like any zoo and this is africa animals leave yeah okay they leave sometimes for a day i mean this in a most polite way like sometimes you can see a buffalo just running around just running around oh yeah they're doing that thing monkeys were normal i say I, I tell these jokes in the comedy club they think i'm playing monkeys were normal they would snatch a banana off your hands like your your friends like you're fighting like your bullies <laughs> like your classmates you could almost be kidnapped by some of them just grab you because the mothers think you look like some of their kids let's go a big baboon with a red boot just oh, grabbing you bro <laughs> It was borderline there. And then when an animal would escape, like there's one day a lion, you can Google this stuff, bro. I'm not making this up. When a lion escaped, they, they had the whole, the whole alarm in the whole oh, barracks. The sirens, yeah. With a lion walking somewhere. Guess where they found the lion? It was in the middle of the highway, just observing which kind of animals are these with bright <laughs> things at night? Which kind of lion is this? They're so big. They were just in the streets. They were not even running, just looking at people. So they tranquilized them. Oh, that's good. Uh, Nigeria they would have just shot it dead. There's somebody who's be running. There's the one who's gonna yeah. just fall down. Like, is that running just for I'll be screaming? Hey, hey, hey. I'm like, I still can't figure that one out. Like, why? Why would you just lie down there and be screaming? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, run for your life. I get it. But you just is that you just fall out there and be screaming, hey, hey, help me oh, that hey, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. Nobody has touched the light, hasn't touched it. <laughs> You this guy be screaming his whole life, confessing. Hey, hey, lion has come out. Lion will kill you. Lion is killing me. Lion, like, yeah. lion is just, uh, I'm just walking by. Um, I don't know what kind of creature is this. <laughs> yeah. What is going on with this one? Um, can someone, yes. uh, maybe this guy, is this animal sick or something? <laughs> My brother used to say, if it's not chicken and it's not goat and it's not cow, it's dangerous. <laughs> oh, okay. If it's, if it's not chicken, if it's not goat, if it's not a cow, it is dangerous. Hmm. It's dangerous. Yeah, fine. Like for example, the first time, the first time we saw Watog, my brother was like, "This oh, is not a goat." Oh, yeah, those guys are those. Yeah. The horns are not here. The horns are here. Yeah, they were. So they, my brother they, was like, yeah. "This is not a goat, bro." And it was running really fast. It had escaped They're from fast the state. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but this, but this time, this one did not escape. It went into somebody's house. <laughs> so the guys locked the door. This guy was a this guy was a Somali family. This guy locked the door, but this thing was destroying his house. Oh, yeah. when, this, when this thing destroyed the TV of this guy, and you know how TVs were expensive, those oh, big boxes. Boy. This guy came and slaughtered the thing and ate it. I mean, Man, it's meat, case, though. It's meat. It's different. If, I'm telling you, living in the barracks uh, changes your perspective of how you come out because you don't come out as a civilian. Mm -hmm. You see how you're fought, what's important to the government. You know what. You see tanks. You see. You know. You know when they have a crisis because every time you're the guys who it's like you're living in a bigger glorified boarding school. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a that's a good summary of it. A bigger glorified boarding school. Yeah. Yeah, because you're you're still yes, your home. It's not a home home really because it's it's more like we have structure and your kids are groomed to go into the system. Is it yes. making sense? 
Yes. You know, this primary school you go to, my mom and dad didn't like it because the education level was not like top tier to take you to the university type of thing. It was more like you, your kid wants to study. Okay, he doesn't want to study. Let's hang out. Hmm. All right. You don't want to come to school for a month. Then you come out. You come again after two months. We'll we'll pick up from where you left. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, backward learning in the, in the military school. They were not well funded. No, sorry, hmm. they were well funded, but they didn't get the best teachers. Oh, that's that's fascinating because I I, I know uh, we used to crave military schools. Well, during my time, I know military schools were quite popular. They were among the federal schools that people were crazy about. Like I tried to get into military school, but I didn't make the cutoff mark. So I think yeah. I tried for Air Force and Army, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. I did not make the cutoff mark, so they put me in a different. I, I tried and. Past the, uh, was this high school or primary school? Uh, after pri uh, primary school, I attended um, police for a nursery school and then um, army for primary school. And then I mm. was trying to get into secondary school for um, 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 army. It was army in particular that I wanted, but I didn't make army. And then I, all the federal schools that I tried, I because we have federal own uh, the federal government owns like the, the the schools considered the best are owned by the federal government. And then um, okay. state government needs to own some schools, and most of them have been returned back to. Uh, I think a few have been returned back to uh, the churches. Most were owned by That's churches, yeah. and then um, um, then the private schools. Then I ended up in a Christian private school, which had both okay. boarding and day students. Yeah, that was the one that I passed yeah. for. My junior secondary was in a private school, and then my senior secondary was in a different city. I ended up in a state um, school over there oh awesome awesome yeah. me primary school is the only time i went to the military school at that time military schools didn't have they didn't have high school military schools they didn't think of boarding at that time oh um and and uh the only thing that kept me in the school a lot also was my dad's playmates my dad was playing that uh, was a uh, was a center uh for the national rugby team in kenya at that time he was mm -hmm. very athletic he also ran athletics for the he tried for the olympics for kenya overseas uh, for commonwealth a few times he was very athletic yeah so I would go to this uh, rugby games and then I'd, I'd meet other, you know, like the higher ranking officers, their kids yeah. and the schools they've gone to. And uh, I think one of the kids convinced me, like, there's no freedom in the military. The only freedom as a military kid is to go to a boarding school because there your parents are not there. You get to mingle <laughs> with other kids. You can hang out with your friends all day. So guess what I did, my brother? I came back home one day. I was thick, I was eight. I said, Mom, I want to go to boarding school. I want to go. I want to go. Because the kid told me, when you go there, there's bicycles. He lied. Oh, we can boy. Watch yeah, guys, so he sold you the ultimate lie. <laughs> told, brother. I came home convicted. Boarding school is the way. I didn't know I was moving from one boarding school to another boarding school. Oh, boy. <laughs> And uh, I ended up in a boarding school in Nyanza, in a place Kisumu called Saint Mary's Mosocho. It was run by Catholic missionaries. Yeah, from the from the from the name alone, I was like, "Yep, that's sound Catholic." <laughs> Catholic missionaries, and uh, uh, the pastors and priests had a church. Uh, they had a primary school, and they had a they had a high school. So they are both together, just mm -hmm. separated by line. We share the church. Okay. So we felt like we we're around bigger brothers. Uh, I learned a lot of things from boarding school. Uh, I learned brotherhood. Uh, I was exposed to other civilian people who. Who's who have real hobbies? Not cleaning AK-47s for fun, you know. People, <laughs> people who had real freedom and real sisters, and, and people who had their own bathrooms. Because you know, in the military, we used to share one block, one bathroom at the end. Yeah. So these people are telling me, "When I go to my shower at night, I'm like, 
you go to the bathroom at night. I cannot leave the house to go to the ba- I I'll hold it in till the morning. These guys are like, yeah, man, I'll get warm showers. I'm like, how? When? Wow. And this exposure was good for me because it opened my perspectives. There was two white kids in class and I was wondering why their parents didn't love them. Why are you here? <laughs> why in this country? Why are you yeah. not where? I saw you to be over there. I got exposed to... Uh, so so wait, the wait, the white kids, were they white Kenyans or were they... Yeah, you know, like the, the guys who go back to Africa and maybe they get a job and they really want to fit into their society, in the community yeah. at that point. So they okay. want their kids to go to the same and experience the same experiences because now they're leading... You know, that time we still had foreigners uh, leading our countries, leading our industries, yeah. our milk industry, uh, Delaware, yeah. or tea. And so this, they're kids. Okay. They take him to the school, higher schools, because that was a really high-end uh, boarding school. Yeah, which most boarding, most boarding schools, most boarding schools tend to be high-end. Yeah, because it's yeah. not. Uh, and then we had a we had a ninety-five percent rate of people who are getting A's and B's who are going to university. Ninety-five percent. Oh, that's high. Mm-hmm. So everybody wanted to be in that that environment, uh, that that setting. And then we had a, a lot of drama. We were one of the most diverse uh, uh, boarding schools at our time in Yanza. Uh, I love the boarding school because it's the first time I actually met the president. The president would pass by the school, President uh, Moi at that time. He had a room, we had a, like a, a room like this, he would wave at the school. And then the, that's when I learned. Wait, wait, wait. So you were one of those kids who used to go outside, you, know, you had to go wave at him every time he was driving by? Let me tell you my culture shock. It broke my heart when I realized even the whole country is just a bigger boarding school because when the president <laughs> comes, the school closes. <laughs> The businesses close, the streets close. It's like living in a business all over. It's like the president comes oh, to that room boy. and does this. Let me see if your house is clean. Let me tell you, the convoy is one hour away. We start uh, dancing. Yeah. One hour. One hour we are dancing, my friend. I am small. My knees are shaking. It's cold outside. Oh, man. And then this president comes and waves. Just waves like this. <laughs> and then the president sometimes will be generous and let us touch his car. So we'll touch his limousine. Ooh, I can imagine yeah, that. We'll touch, we'll touch his limousine and like this is the closest to America we get. Let's touch it. This is the blessing. You felt rich. People believed he was invisible. People believed he was invisible. There were rumors that he had powers. Like if you touch him, you might die. So you don't come very close. Yeah. Wait, wait. So did, did, did you guys not have rumors about his car being like Night Rider, that kind of thing? The car could talk back. I don't know. We had, bro, there were all types of rumors. Like when he comes to, through school, it's a safe car. But when you're out there and you touch it, it turns into a, a dragon. Like we had all <laughs> types of rumors. Like it's like the James Bond from 1950, the movie. Like he can oh, I, I think that was everywhere. We have, I, I can't even recall some of the rumors that we had, but we, uh, we had some ridiculous rumors on the president. And then I was a, a young adult when I finally saw the president. But I wasn't, I, was, I couldn't even get too close to him, but I was, uh, yeah. I was one of the, my my aunt's husband was um, a state level. He was a cabinet member at the state level. So yeah. when the president was, uh, then was Obasanjo that was the president. So when Obasanjo was visiting on an official visit to River State, um, the state where I was living, which is uh, where Patakot is, um, where ordered, everybody in the house was ordered to drive one of the state's official cars to go to the yeah. airport where he was going to launch the international airport because nigerians yeah we, we spend more money uh-huh. on the to launch the to commission and launch the project than the project Correct. itself that's another reason why nigeria is expensive so yeah. 
now passenger is coming and then we, 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 we so we have we had to arrive like maybe six hours before the president showed up for some reason i don't know why we couldn't arrive like an hour before he showed up but everybody got to be there like six seven hours before he showed up and okay. we get there and then they're like oh uh, i forgot something in the house raf go get it i'm like how am i gonna get back here like <laughs> everybody who is one who in this state is here right now so yeah, right now convoys correct. upon convoys upon convoys. Yeah. every poor mvp yeah. is here the real mvps yeah. are here the yeah, unknown yeah. mvps are here everybody got their convoy and then the president gonna have his own convoy so how am yeah. i gonna make it back because i already had good how? parking they're like well uh, okay take um one of the escorts with you man i said one escort ain't yeah. gonna do nothing the president is coming. That means DSS, the feared DSS of Nigeria are going to be yes. here. That is state security going to be here. They, they don't care about police officers. They don't care about that. <laughs> so, but that was the day I took one of the biggest risks of my life. One of the day I took what one of the biggest risks. What was the risk? Because they gave me like, they gave me a time limit to get back. And okay. guess what? I didn't even still get paid. I didn't get paid by this person who even sent me on this errand. So I get home, pick up the stuff, drove at record speed because I have government number plate, state government. Number, number, yes. So I Correct. could break speed limit. It didn't matter. No police would yes. stop me. Coming yeah. back now, there was mad traffic. The whole city now is shut down traffic. For some reason, the whole city is on traffic. The only way I could get out of the traffic was that there were always mobile police breaking the traffic because they, yes. they, they were all heading to the airport. For some, And I'm like, why do criminals not plan to rob on such days? Like... All the securities at the airport, so you can go rob the whole city. Every, All securities you know, at the airport. Everybody was going to the airport. Myself, that same question. You know, like, that's the, the crazy business. thing. So, yes. as soon as one mobile convoy will go, uh, the mobile police, you know, blow their sirens. As soon as they came past, the very last one goes. I was the first car to jump right behind them. Big risk, Correct. because they don't like yes. that. They don't, if they, they, you come too close, they, they start pointing their guns at you. So they pointed their guns at me a few times, like, hey, back off, back off. Back off. Because in Nigeria, yeah. under Nigerian system, they if they shoot you, then they're like, uh, we thought he was, an, he was coming to attack us. It's it, over. It's over. They don't care. Yeah. Nobody would yes. have, there's nothing, oh, nobody would have, people would have cried. Hey, Raf died. And, uh, so, but I still, <laughs> I still, I still chase them, but I, 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 I kept, I kept, Pointing to my number plate, like my number plate, yeah. my number plate. That's I was giving them the signal, like my number plate. But yeah. they, so for a couple of miles, they they just had their guns at me, wondering who's this crazy young guy chasing them. Yes. And then I'll I'll keep slowing down, like backing off, and then and then I'll pick up speed again. <laughs> I was like, man, oh, I did all that nonsense, and that's how I was able to like because I should have been there for like three, four hours. The traffic was crazy, okay. but those guys cleared the way for me. By taking that mad risk, and then I was able to beat traffic yeah. and that was a got risk, back. Man. In Kenya, they would have arrested you. Oh, they would have. I, I, I think Easy. maybe they still the number plate still ended up saving me in a way. But I was able to get yes. back to the airport, got to meet my uh, my MVP is there. I got them. Yeah, and I, just, I still didn't get paid for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> The, the only day I was like, man, I'm, I'm, give me, you guys, can you guys find some money? I got fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got fired for, asking, for asking for my pay. Oh, man. Good times. <laughs> Buddy school, school was an experience, my brother. I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, uh, I was also exposed to, uh, apart from learning and mingling with people, playing sports, that's where my, uh, my love for art and drama and writing and mm. script writing and comedy began music. But I also, that was the first time I was exposed to like, 
like that's the first time I I I knew those rape in men, boys, and oh, I, and, I, I was uh, coming to the darkness too. And 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 the oh, we'll get to that when you're getting to it. But otherwise, apart from that, uh, this this other boarding school, I had I was a gangster because they did not feed us all the way. They believed if they fed you and gave you food all the way, you're not gonna study. So wow. they left you slightly hungry every day. It was a very big survival. If you had to pray for food, you had to hold your bowl. If you pray with your hands and you put your hands together like this, I think you'll go to bed fasting as a part of that prayer. You know? What I'm, are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. Playbook. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a tough survival there, but. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. So, I don't know. I think because most of the boarding school that I was familiar with, they, were, they also seem to have this thing, like including my school, especially my school, which was a Christian yeah. school. It was crazy that I, th I think the only school that I never heard complain about food was the school that um, was much was bigger than ours, as in yeah. name and uh, celebrity status. I've had one yeah. person from that school who were same age and all that, but we used to hate on them because they were like the big, yeah. they were newer, a newer school. So they were like uh, more American than us. So yeah. everybody just hated, hated on them. But actually it was because they fed them good. They took care of their students. I ain't gonna lie. They took also, care they of them. Also, oh, they, they paid, paid more. Of course, they paid more. One of the claim to fame there was that they got teachers from America and the UK to come teach there. So, of course, yes. you, you ain't gonna be paying the same fee that you're paying for the same school where you have Raphael. <laughs> Exactly. You're gonna be paying more. Yeah. You're gonna be paying hell more. You're gonna be paying, you know. So, yeah, uh, pay, but like more, at my at my school, I did, mm -hmm. I wasn't even aware of some of the darkness, some of the uh, the, the wild stuff that was happening. Yeah. But we, I think the most common thing is the bullying and some of the beatings and all that, and how uh, even one of my previous guests had mentioned how a lot of students were afraid of their bullies were more afraid of their bullies than even their parents. And he gave an example of how uh, a, uh, a parent came to uh, pick up her, her, her son or to see her son. And she waited for like two hours. Like, where the hell is this boy? This, well, you know, you, you're not allowed to go in. So you send, uh, go go get my child. And where's this boy? He's not coming. And until she like marched into the school and found the boy like two hours later. And the boy's like, oh, Ah, this senior was punishing me. I can't leave. He told me to sit down here. I can't get up from here until he tells me to get up. She said, I'm your mother. I'm your mother. I was calling you to come. You, you, ah, no, sorry. Sorry, mama. I can't come. This senior told me to sit down until he tells me to get up. Because if I get up, it's death sentence. And she's like, who the hell is this person? And that's how that bully got checked. Because now it's the parents that's attacking the bully. And there are other people who have given me examples like that. And I knew there was one that I saw in my two eyes because... He had the kid lying on a pile of trash Damn. and chose the wrong day to do that because we knew that this guy, I've got the nickname we gave him, but that guy, he was coming, everybody put their head down. Even day students, we saw him coming, we just put our head down like, oh, you don't make eye contact, you don't, because if he just sniffs you, you it's like, oh, you're dead. So everybody's like, yeah. I think, and his name was Innocence. That's a weird thing. His name was Innocence. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy was raining, it was a rain of terror. Like he just, his shadow touches you, it's like you just freeze. People were afraid of him. And the day he just put a kid on a pile of trash, go lie down there. And this boy was lying down there. That was the day the boy's parents visited. And they were like, where, where, where's, 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 uh, where's my son? You know, the person they asked, the person they asked is one of those who's like, oh, I don't know where your son is, but 
Come with me. I think I can show you where he is. I don't. I, I think, yes. I, I, I'm not sure if I know your son, but let us go together and look for him. That type of person, like that's the person that they, they ran into. The person was just looking because they've told the housemaster, this guy's beating us. Housemaster won't do anything. The report, Correct. nobody's doing it. So they just took them and, is that your son? Yes. And the parent, what is this? Are you doing, I'm paying all this money for my son to be lying on trash? And that's when Vice Principal, who loves to beat people, got alerted to the situation. That guy, this guy, it was like a boxing match. The guy's like, you know what? I'm not even going to use Kane. You come. You're this. You come. Let us go <laughs> hand to hand. And the whole school, like, oh, 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 let's watch. <laughs> I was like, hey, oh, and like, I, like if he had beaten the Vice Principal, I don't know what we would have done. But luckily, Vice Principal won the fight. But, uh, yeah, because if he had, <laughs> if he had beaten the vice principal now, I'm pretty sure we would have been like, oh, we are taking off now because we would have run away for our lives. Like, oh, uh, away, yeah. this, is not, this is not what we're expecting. But apparently the vice principal won, or maybe he didn't want to fight his senior because it's, yes. diff it's a different equation now when you're fighting someone who's older than you. But vice yeah. principal was able to land the punches, beat him up, yeah. and beat him up quickly. he got expelled. But obviously his yeah. parents had money, so he ended up overseas or something. Going somewhere else, yeah. It's probably, it's probably Nigeria's government now bullying people. Because people there just we don't talk about what happens to them afterwards, but yeah. So you 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 got a whole lot of good stuff that happened to you in Boarding House, but you also got to see the other side of it that it's not just all roses. So yeah, what were some of the things that you saw and experienced at Boarding House? And you've already mentioned one of them, but if you don't like expanding, uh, if you don't mind yeah, expanding boarding, on it, boarding, boarding school, boarding school, you're by yourself. You're, it's like you're fending for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're establishing new connections. You're you're learning things, and this one of the reasons I'm teaching a lot of students here at university about being able, your self-esteem, public speaking, how to be able to come off like a flamingo, like exact presence, exact energy. Yeah. Because when you come from docile environments like where I came from, I never saw my dad fight. My dad never taught me to defend myself. He told me to listen. You know, we're yeah. coming from again military. Yes. From the obey. Mm -hmm. Make sure you obey. Yeah. If you start fighting, you'll never get a job. You'll be arrested. You'll get a criminal history, and it's you're over. done. Mm -hmm. This was instilled in me when I was like five. Like if you get into any type of fights, any type of anything, you're not gonna leave this country. Mm. Are you getting where I'm being molded? I understand. So I, I, I get that doing, message. I can't Loud defend myself. Mm -hmm. And the kids who are defending themselves. They're doing all these things. As I'm getting into the boarding school life, I'm realizing what my dad said is true. But I still, I'm losing part of myself because I'm letting things happen. Mm. Those kids are being suspended. Yeah, they get into the local system. The, the when you kicked out of a very high school, you go to the local ones, the public ones. Yeah. And the public ones, your fate is sealed. You're never gonna go to a good high school, which means what? You're gonna end up working on what? Minimum wage in Kenya. Minimum. You're not gonna leave. Mm -hmm. But that also let me allow some bullying. Mm. Because I couldn't defend, and there were a lot of the kids. They would steal our food. We were like, we were like five, class five, class six. Man, we were young. You don't know even how to throw a punch. And there's this kid who has been class eight for eight years. Like, yeah. you know, he just loves school because he cannot get nothing, and his parents are not getting it. He cannot get. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how somebody can repeat the class four times. That should be an automatic kick out. Even with passwords, after three attempts, it's blocked. The account's blocked. <laughs> That's true. in the same class, eight years. Like. He's a he's in high school bullying kids, and this bullying would move from financial, uh, psychological. Me, mine was more like physical, right? Because mm -hmm. me, I was loud. I was a talkative person, and uh, at that time in Africa, people who talk a lot, like when you're young, they think you're smart or they think uh, you think you're too rude, but you yeah. only express your opinion. Yeah. So I was the guy that would jump in bed, like cover me with a blanket, punch me a few times, but I knew who he was. Mm. 
But mine at least was, I didn't realize that even that energy I was surrounding myself with protected me from another energy. Wow. Me being rude and not being nice and not being complacent. I was not any of the victims that were being molested or tried to be molested by the bigger guys because I was not cute. Because wow. I was not soft. Because I was not, um, I'm being nice because I report everything. Mm. I fight back. People were trying to sell suits in the dorms. I was setting them up. I was a snitch. I'm not lying to you, bro. I was a snitch in school. I was like, I came here to study and you guys are bringing sweets, distracting me from my A. I was stupid, but I was learning. But that, 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 there's it's something important there that you're talking about. And you, you know, sometimes that, that language that we used to mold our, that, that was used to mold us when we were younger, we don't even realize when we are fighting back against it, when our personality starts to push back against it. And you're already pushing back against it with your nature of being talkative because i used to be yeah. I, i'm someone who i was I'm, i was talkative but there were times people a lot of people who know me are like oh i never knew you could talk and i'm like when i look back i'm like yeah but it was also a, me a defensive mechanism in certain situations because I, yeah, like, I wasn't the guy who could win fights exactly. but there were situations where i walked into certain neighborhoods where those guys would have just beat the hell out of me but there, there were language that i would switch into and I would just speak the code and oh oh let this one pass this one this one now 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 we we now we we now how fast yeah 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 I pump my shoulder up like yeah yeah take your time watch 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 your step there man watch <laughs> but yeah, but that's how I, I cleared a lot of areas and you know I walk by and sometimes I just just normal hello hi on the door just oh this guy where you from man and you know but a lot of that is our part of our defense mechanism because not those of yes. us who can't throw the punches. We also have things that we use to throw punches. So that, yeah, that's correct. why, I, I, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a snitch. There was nothing wrong. Yeah. But we, we just... I, was, I was going in hard because mm -hmm. uh, I, I was expecting more from the school. If everything is equal, let all of us suffer. Because the people who were uh, uh, um, smuggling things into school yeah. were the ones who had, were using the same sweets, uh, food. Because, you know, half these kids are hungry. And the molesters and, the, and those guys who are trying to, I, I don't, I'm calling them molesters because they lured them. They weren't like pure yeah, rape. No, like rape. No, it's, you know, it's, like it's, it's a predatory behavior. Yeah, they lured them. With, they know this kid, oh, you're young. Yeah, I'll give you mandaz. They'll give you some biscuits, Britannia. They used to be in a box. Mm -hmm. They sneak out, bring them. Then they'll offer them like, hey, kindly, like how pimps here do. Hey, if you want some of this, you got to come cuddle with me in my little bed. And then you're there sleeping and just you hear your boo. You just hear four or five beds because the whole dorm, those Bransma, Doyle. And you can just hear, I'm like, wow, I know somebody over there is doing something. Mm, wow. I know somebody over there. But this is rape, but I can't do anything. I can't fight you. You're bigger than me. The only way I will, I'll cut your resources. I'll chop your style. So I used to go report. There's biscuits there. There's This is what they're using. to. So I used to have a lot of enemies in school, the older ones. Yeah. Once they left... Once they left, I established a different business system where I could smuggle the things, that, but without the whole, the people who are, were enabled to be molesters, those are the people I kicked out because the system was not feeding us. Mm -hmm. When I'm trying to tell the, kid, the system, like, they're using the starvation, the, the mild starvation you give us to abuse us. Yeah. You're enabling the abusers. Why don't you feed us so that these kids don't end up giving themselves to these people? Because you can't control it clearly. Then I realized they're not fixing it. There was a dark part of the boarding school where those bribery, those favorism, those nepotism, uh, teachers would give uh, much more attention to certain kids to mm -hmm. make them pass more than others. Uh, I realized also the Catholic priests were some of the people who are enabling 
the the sodomization and things the in, yep. in the names and all that but they are also covering it up very well so you never know it's part of the power structure you know yeah it was because a lot of darkness in there if, if you uh, if you if you had the power to challenge their power then it levels the field but you don't have the power and, i didn't have the power and most of us in those situations at points in times like that we also did not have the language or the structure we didn't even know what we were facing because it's our first time being exposed to that so well how do you deal with it? if when you come to a situation like that the catholic priest is literally the person next to god and he, he... i was there i saw one there was a there's a priest i walked into and he was touching the chest of one of my boys that opens his shirt we was we were altar boys we were supposed to go do a mass the next the like the next four hours do you know what I got? My brother, I was so mad. I went to the priest's place where I was supposed to clean the wine. Yeah. I took the whole thing and drank all of it. I was so mad. Wow. And then they came and suspended me for drinking the wine, not what I saw. Right. I'll never forget. They sent me home because my that kid has been, he's a bad kid. Yeah. He sneaks out of the place to drink alcohol. I'm like, what about what I saw that made me drink? They said, we can't believe you. Of course, they can't believe you because... They... And, you're, and, uh, you're, you're making you're making it up. That's what. I left. I passed though. I passed the school. I finished the school, and I realized this society has been so rooted on uh, the the people who have visited us. They are right, and we are wrong. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to fight them. If you believe your fellow person is always wrong and black is not always right, there's nothing that we're going to convince you. Whether you're told there are things that are going on on the ground, you're colonized already mentally. You, yeah. you can be fixed. I went. This moving from this uh, environment to the next boarding school, which was high school, I think really affected me. I went to six boarding schools, my brother. Three of six. them were burnt before this. Yeah, six. Oh, six, wow. Six. It was bad because. Why, uh, why, why, why were you moving to boarding schools like that? Or moving through boarding uh, schools? First like of that? all, I was a very elite student, so they were passing me around like a, an ambassador to teach other kids. <laughs> no, I'm lying. <laughs> I was like, wait, that is. <laughs> yeah, I had to process uh, that one a little bit, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, my brother. To be honest, was uh, in high school there was freedom, freedom to buy food when you want. You have pocket money. You're ah, in high school. yes, yes, that's true. Every weekend you have two hours every Saturday and Sunday to go outside and walk, and they trust you to come back. Do you understand this freedom, my brother? This yeah. freedom I only enjoyed it when the president was coming. I was going there too. Yeah, I was going there to do this for, for the president. <laughs> now I can go freely. I am coming from a freedom of where I could not eat properly and interact properly and those rope and all that to a place where girls come in your school. You don't go to them. They come in your school for symposium. They come in your school. The school bus drops them like chicken. Drop them in your school to go to church with you. You are holding hands together. Do you understand the culture shock, bro? Wow. Even myself, I didn't, I didn't have it that good. So that, that's that, freedom, <laughs> that freedom threw me off. You know, like how a homeless person will be overwhelmed by a boarding, by a, a by a mansion. Yes. So that overwhelming did not help me settle. Put that ADHD from the army, and now the the trauma from the primary school. So high school is not easy for me to adjust because I'm looking for something wrong. Mm. I get. It. I I'm get. Just I get like it. Even when there was so much peace, I am not peaceful. Yeah. I am now in a place where I can punch you, but there's no bullies. Hmm. I walk in and apparently me talking a lot in boarding school as a freshman was a compliment. So nobody's bullying me. Oh. So I have all this anger and I have all this 
this energy I need to release yeah. from yeah. not being able to do it here, but I'm in a different spot. So guess what people do when they're bored? You start doing other activities. You sneak out of school for no reason. Mm -hmm. You start drinking early for no reason. You, you Some things you're doing that you don't have to, Yeah. but because you're so, there's something that has to get out. You know, like somebody who left prison, they say that it's like almost 65% to go back. Mm -hmm. Like I can't adjust, what's this? I can call my mother, you write me letters. I have I have high five in the book in, in in class. Wait, I have MySpace. Wait a minute. It overwhelmed me. And I'm I ran into bad people. And for some reason, good kids who come from good families, you end up running into bad kids because bad kids offer you that outlet. Yeah. For example, this bad kids taught me soccer because my dad didn't like sports. Uh, this bad kids allowed me to do theater and, and gave me a theater, uh, a place where I could be myself. The, the other good kids were too, they're too scared to even do any extracurricular because their parents told them you're supposed to be a doctor, engineer, or pilot. Don't give us the last option, which is do not embarrass the family. And this was me. Oh, that that's, that's, <laughs> I, I used to do the big four, which is uh, doctor, engineer, uh, accountant, yes. banker. Um, or a pilot somewhere there pilot, pilot. Okay. yeah pilot pi yeah. pilot counts pilot counts okay yeah the pilot, i'd cut pilot in there but yeah that yeah so that's big four yeah 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 but Just, pilots was so this, mostly for 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 boys girls didn't get pilots yes. so yes yeah. and pilot is very rare because pilot was a very expensive course mm -hmm. so then a lot of parents didn't put it because they knew they couldn't afford flight school yeah yeah yeah. But they still, I think they still threw that one out there, like they just threw it out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah what, what do you say? You want to go and study? Yeah. Mass communication. What is mass communications? What is that? Huh? Huh? How will you, how will you, how will you pay for a house with that? You, you don't know how to talk to people? Get you out, out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> okay. Huh? Let me tell you. I, I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you this, White Label, is I moved from a really high end high school, like, top tier high school mm -hmm. but the school i finished my my exam that helped me get into university i was the only kid in with shoes on i moved from this this university my the school the high school i was with the uh, minister's kids and yeah. master's kids to a school where i was the most wealthiest person wow i had the only person with shoes yeah. i was the only person taking a taxi home every day there was no windows it was a village village school called amabuko Mm. When it rains, the, the, it the, na like the name, the name, the name is heavy. When it rains, yes. you can't study. It's, that day is for shower and spa because <laughs> it will rain inside the class. The, the, the rain brought, uh, gave you a natural swimming pool. <laughs> the, I'm telling you, that is, the, that is the place I humbled myself and realized the importance of the invention of deodorant because, oh, that class was heavy. <laughs> And the teacher was the heaviest. Oh, he would ah. walk in and we knew how every teacher smelled. Oh, oh this my brother. This oh, my brother. He was funny. Oh. <laughs> but let me tell you, ah. from those humble rooms yeah. to hanging out with my village classmates, kids who had borrowing pens, people would be begging the, the, the headmaster uh, for uh, like a fraction of your allowance. What you have an allowance is what they're paying for school fees yeah. per month. And I'm realizing how avocado is such an, an asset for even the mundane bad food in the village, even though it doesn't have all the nutrients and stuff. But I'm realized, I, I, I learned the happiness, mm. the joy of little people. Yes. The joy of people who don't have, and they show you how much good you have it. The joy of, instead of the bitterness I had from primary in the first school where I was around sports kids, this is the joy of people who have never had half of that. 
and every story you say fascinates them. Hey, so there's a monkey in the barracks. Oh my God, tell us. And they sit around you. <laughs> and they're interested and they're, they're, they're saying, like they're envisioning everything you're saying on a grander scale. Mm. You start being more appreciative. Yeah. You start praying in a different way. And you start realizing if I'm going to be anything in the country, I gotta, my dreams got to be bigger because these guys see me bigger. Mm. I have to see more of myself. If they knew I wasted that time from the first high school to this one, and now I'm, I'm here with them, I'm realizing how privileged I was over there. Yeah. All my overwhelming was because I had too much. Sometimes you have too much, and that's why you don't understand why you're not connected with the present. You have too much. Mm. If God takes some of it away, you'll be present because what will happen, white label American? You'll be more appreciative. Yeah. I came to, uh, I applied for school. I applied for school after high school. I wanted to come to America so bad, my brother. I knew I could not survive there because my dad was not wealthy. It was a lot, at that time, the, the energy in the country was more about who do you know? Apparently, uh, 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 to my disadvantage, around that high school time, my mom and dad divorced. And uh, it was really bad because in, in the African community setting, it's an embarrassment for an African woman to be divorced. Yes. They, they almost cut you off. They almost like it's, discard you. And my, my mom and my mom it's, had five It's kids. still stigmatized. Yes, it's heavily yeah, stigmatized. It was really bad. My, my mom lost all her friends, all her church members. Imagine the church you went to and used to hang out with all these people. The pastor used to sing in the choir. All these people, one reason only, religion. To totally throw away all the memories you made to get. Like, you, you know, there's, the you know that there's... Um, there's an insecure reason behind that, you know, because there's this feeling that, oh, this woman who's uh, now divorced, uh, if, if you bring her around the, the house, uh, your husband is not safe. But why is your husband not safe you're, if you're confident? Well, if you know that, you do that, that, that is somebody would think, like you and I, we can say that. You want to snatch somebody when you do your job. But that, you know, but that's because before I wouldn't have even, you know, but I, now I can look back and say I've heard people, you know, I've heard that reasoning, and I've and it started making sense because you know my mom was divorced. My mom, you know, um, was a single mother. Even when she had me, she was single, and I, I'm a kid who was born out of wedlock, and I didn't understand a whole bunch of these things. And then later with time, I started getting some of the insults, and I started getting some of the, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is where it came from. Yes. This is how. So it's been around. It's not like, so, and then I start to get it like, oh, so this is why certain people who are in very abusive marriages will be like, I will, I will die, yeah. I will die. I will die than divorce. Hell no. Let him bring another wife. I'm not going. Yeah. Because if mm -hmm. they leave, it's such a bad thing. My mom was abandoned by her whole family, her own dad, her own mom, yeah. her own pops. So she was by herself. So it was a very depressing time. And now... She, we, my, we, we just, we just had, uh, we've been, been blessed with uh, twin boys, uh, twin brothers, and they were like three weeks, I think four weeks old. So imagine the divorce, and we're moving out, wow. and I have twin brothers. We were five of us, but I have twin brothers, and I have to help my mom because you know there's that post Martin. Yeah. You know there's that post Martin. Uh, what's it called? Post? Is it post Martin or post Martin? Post Martin depression. Yeah. And that happens, and and this is twins now, so it's double. Wow. But yeah, that's a, that a lot. This, twins is a lot. She's dealing with divorce, and then we are moved. We're moving, and everybody's abandoned her. So all that was coming to me was coming to the family, 
So I'll have to hold the family like I'm, I'm, I'm the dad, I'm the uncle, I'm the mm -hmm. firstborn. It was a very tough time for me. I'm not going to lie to you. It really messed me up. I was depressed and myself because... Around then, you were still, help. you were also, you were already planning to move to states? Yes. I when... was planning like, I don't think this is going to work for me. But then, remember, when all these things are dropping, when all these things are dropping, it means your dreams are put on hold. Yeah. Income dynamics have shifted. Mm -hmm. You're not the priority anymore. Yeah. At that time, some of my people who I grew up around after high school, they look around if there's nothing to be sold and if you didn't come from a privileged family, just join the army and take any minimum wage job security you're doing over there. Your dreams are done. Yeah. Basically. And I felt like that's where I'm going to lead to. So I started being hungry. I joined it. My friend, uh, my friend uh, told me to join the theater, a local theater there. Uh, they were doing a lot of community service close to the house. So after hanging out at the house for a little bit, my mom is resting. I could go there and start practicing like lines. Like I'm telling you, Leonardo's lines. I was doing uh, uh, Shakespeare, uh, Merchant of Venice. I would go there and just be Bassani and sing my heart out. That was like how I used to release my depression. That and lifting. It was a place there we used to go. And get that muscle in, brother. The local, the local jeans. I am telling you that jeans. With that uh, was not um, cement in them, the, uh, let the me, cans. Let me tell you, it was like a dumbbell, <laughs> but because it was made of, it's a traditional dumbbell, it's not a, the, the professional one. Yeah. One side of the phone is heavier than the other. So <laughs> you have to balance. Yeah. You know? My, co my cousin had something like that. My Ghanaian cousin <laughs> did one like that. I was like, man, I, I'm not eating properly. I ain't lifting this. <laughs> I, I was skinny like. <laughs> yeah. That dumbbell was bigger <laughs> than my head. <laughs> Yeah, my brother. But it was a, yeah. it was a good experience. It taught, it taught me a lot at that time. I started hustling knowing that I have to find a way out because my environment at that time, we moved to a, a, a ghetto part of Nairobi from yeah. Langata. Yeah. It's called Eastlands. Eastlands, Nairobi. There are a lot of slums there. There's a lot of low-income houses. Yeah. And my mom also, I didn't tell you, around that time, also my mom got laid off. Oh, are no. you getting how they were back-to-back? -back? Yeah. Man, were, that's a whole lot of... And things yeah, happening and at the same time. They were retrenched. So I was like, this is a lot of chaos in one place. Remember, we have been we have been cut off the link. So there's no family, no friends you can call to. People are ignoring us, bro. Yeah. I can call yeah. like, hey, bro, it's me. We spoke last month. I know, but you guys, you know, I heard about. I said, yeah, but that doesn't nothing. We are friends. And the people like, just not talk to you. Mm. There's a lot of loneliness. So theater gave me life. And I started acting, doing set books. I started doing little plays. I started traveling. And with this group, I traveled all over the country. And I met people from different tribes, from Mombasa, like Kipia, Garissa. And the acceptance of the audience, of my pain, how it transmuted into art, made me love art some more because this was my savior. Art was my savior at that time. Mm. We were doing plays from Kenyan National Theater to Alliance Francais. A friend of mine oh, invited Alliance me. Francais. I remember that. I know yeah. that group. I know that uh, yeah, ent that, entity. Yes, and the Goethe Institute. Uh, it's a, it's a, Goethe, it's a yeah. German institute, yes. Uh, I, oh, I, when I... Uh, I met a friend of mine. Um, I met a friend of mine who told me about a Dubai Expo, which was in Kenya. All right. Yeah. So they train you, they give you a little training uh, of how you can go and get into the service industry in Dubai. And I'm like, they're paying more over there than anything I'll be paid over here. So I took this training, but my acting started there. Like every space I was going to, I had skits in the morning before class. I had skits halfway through training. Even the day of the exam, the day we were supposed to like get the certification exam to able to fly to Dubai. My brother, that day I was still a cameraman. I was still the joker. I was still the guy who was like, I'm taking life, but I'm not taking it as serious. Because when you're too serious, you're too present with whatever you're going on with. Mm. If you don't have solutions, Olga, 
if you don't have solutions, do what? Shoot yourself now. Hmm. Why don't you thank God and say, hey, we are here now, right? Whatever happens, we should be able to walk out of here and scuff. Yeah. So that you can have strength to move forward. That was my energy. I tried to buy that time. It did not work out. I tried to buy again. It worked out. I went over there. Brother, I did the... I did the butler, I did the housekeeping, I did the concierge. That's where I ended up, uh, Bush Khalifa. Oh, wow. You worked in Bush Khalifa. Yeah, I did that, but we were working on the contracts. A lot of people at that time were working under contracts, my brother. And contracts, for my background again, is not secure. Yes. So we're never going to be citizens here. So I'm not going to move here. But basically, I'm watching people go back to Kenya with money, you know, that, uh, that uh, uh, what do you call those words? Um, Yahoo, Yahoo style. Like, go home, look good. You have to come back here. So my friend in my friend in Dubai told me about a, a, an expo, an expo, uh, uh, educational expo this time, which was gonna, which was happening in Kenya, and I did this education expo, and we applied for universities, you know, universities from England, Australia, America. So I applied for one. I applied actually for one, but three asked me to come. Those uh, Michigan states which are the timberwolves yeah there was liberty university which was a christian university which was oh offering yeah me. i know that university oh, yeah. yeah yeah based on my income they were ready to offer me like partial scholarship like where i come from of course and then were. there was the state university now the problem with michigan first of all it was way too expensive over there and i didn't i didn't know anybody there mm -hmm. all right i sh i shared this with my homeboys one of my homeboys knew somebody from Wichita, a girl that used to be his neighbor, and he had stayed in Wichita for like five years. And I felt like going to a place where you at least know one person, especially me, I've never been on a plane before. This, I needed some ground. I don't have any relatives, man. I was only 23, bro. No, I was only 22, bro. I was young. Yeah. And, uh, and none of my family members had ever made it to college or left the country. I didn't have a lot of mentors growing up, brother. I, I had to plan, I had to set my own blocks. Yeah. So. I'm, I don't want to come blindly because I don't mean I didn't prepare. There was no security. There was no backup. True. So Wichita was there. But Liberty was also good. The only problem with Liberty is when you go to the embassy, you can't use I am poor to Liberty because they'll expect you to pay uh, the half the scholarship. If it's 45000 they'll expect you to have 25000 at hand. Mm. Okay? Wichita State will want you to at least go first and then pay as you're there. You can even uh, start with the orientation fee of 125 and get there. Okay. And also, the bank statement to go to Wichita State University was heavier because it shows you're, you're not like when you're going to Liberty, when you're showing you're struggling because they think you're not going to depend on the system. Mm. Quickly applied, a struggle to get the air ticket because uh, uh, the dynamics were funny. Uh, I didn't grow up in an, uh, in an environment where people supported each other, my brother. Yeah. So even when you come with a dream, even when you say, hey, I'm going here, nobody sees you like that. Oh, wow. We don't see your family. In the Indian people, they call it the caste system. We don't uh -huh. see you guys. You, from that area, we know you and your mother and you, the, you how you guys were. You don't belong up there. Yeah. So even the church members that my mom was supporting and praying for their kids to come to America, they never came when my mom called them to come pray for me. Wow. Yeah, that, that, mom, that, that is one aspect that's a little bit different in my experience in that mm -hmm. if you know, when you have the the, the 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 guarantee that hey, I can go to America now. In my experience in on the Nigerian side of things, people are willing to give you money. Even people who don't like you, 
they they are willing to like oh because this one now is going to America something might come out now something you know so don't forget me don't forget me oh. yeah. I give I give yeah. you, I, I give you remember that day I gave you two cups of water when you were tested right yes. remember yes yeah so so yeah uh, here you go I think, how much you need to buy a ticket the twenty thousand yeah. naira I only have uh, fifteen thousand I only well, actually I only have thirteen thousand but you can yeah, don't yeah. don't forget that I gave thirteen thousand eh this boy remember yeah. remember be a good boy remember mm-hmm. and, I can't think they will do that people will do that. And then, yeah. the, the, when you are gone, I, I helped him. I helped him. That, that stubborn boy, I helped that you held that one. But I think that's like the only time I know people will bring that money. But uh, there's also the, the other aspect of people not wanting to reveal that we are we are traveling because like I didn't tell everybody I was leaving. Yeah, there was that part. There was that yeah. part. So I, I, there certain people I could tell, but I think I, I was also privileged that even among, among the people that hated me, the money had already come out, so I was like, I don't need to tell everybody anyway, so fuck you. <laughs> I was gone. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, but I know from the experience, from yeah, my interactions with a lot of people, it was something that, yes, as soon as people know that you have the visa in your hand, that money tends to come out. You know, if, yes. if, if it's, it's the one you have to go to church or you go to your mosque, people will be like, ah, okay, I only have 500, but here you go. People, people will throw the money out, so, we, because we, we also have a caste system. You know, people don't like to admit that Africa has a caste system. African countries mm-hmm. we have caste systems in different African places. We have we apply it in different ways. We all have caste systems. You know, the other day, it was just last week I found out that Mali has a, a decent a dis, a descendancy based slavery system that is still legal. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. In Mali, they do. I, 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 Mauritania is one that I was aware of. Mali has something that's still legal, and I was like, whoa, yes. that blew my mind. So, yeah, we, we have in different places and it's yeah. weird how it's still being applied. But as soon as that visa is confirmed, especially for America, uh, yeah. in Nigeria, I think you, you people still support you. So uh, that, that's one that, that, that really surprised me that, um, yeah, people... I think Kenya, I think it's not Kenya. I'm just talking about a story. I think when you come from a good family dynamic, there's a lot okay. of good stories in Kenya. Yeah. There's a lot of good family setups in Kenya. There's a lot of support. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like all Nigerians will... Yes. Yeah, but I, I mean in general. I'm just saying in general. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's common to... It's more common to get people getting support. Like, oh, we know that because... you know, It's not like people are yes. doing it out of the generosity of their heart. But it's like they're just uh, yeah. They, go, they know that go, go. It's like there's that belief that oh, this one if he makes it or she makes it tomorrow, yeah, I will get something in return for that. It's, so it's like they're investing in you. That's how they see it. Like them, I'm trying, so the interest will come out. That's the mentality yes. behind giving at that moment. That oh, we know this one is going to America, so something good will come out. To, or when they come on their first visit back to the country, they will definitely bring something for me. That kind of thing. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That, 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 that. that was the that was the hope. We took, we, we had like almost, you know, uh, at that time, my ticket was 78, uh, $78,000. Uh, 78,000, no dollars, 78,000 shillings. Yeah. Which was $780. It took my, it took three fundraisings. Wow. And my mom's selling, taking out part of our land in Nairobi to put it under, under loan with the bank to get seven, $780. 78,000 Kenya shillings is seven, $780. Mm-hmm. It took... Two months to raise seven hundred and eighty dollars and sell a piece of the land. You can tell now how much little money income we're working with, right? Yeah. Just the ticket. My mom told me I don't have a lot of money. I I had like one hundred and twenty-five. I came to the states. I had I caught pneumonia on the airport coming to the school. No oh, man. I didn't know how to handle pneumonia. They almost sent me back, bro. It was bad. I was sick, sick. Wait, wait what? What airline did you take when you were coming? 
Uh, Lufthansa. Oh, okay. You, you are close to the official, unofficial airline of this podcast. Yeah, I took, I took Lufthansa, went through Amsterdam. Oh, uh, so you stopped in Amsterdam too. That's the unofficial airline of this podcast, yeah. home airport, Amsterdam. This yeah. KLM. KLM is the unofficial airline of this podcast. Yeah, that's KLM. No, that's... No, KLM is not Lufthansa. Took, Lufthansa took is KLM, Germany. I took, I took KLM from Luf, to, from um um uh, from, from Amsterdam uh, from Amsterdam to here to Minnesota. Oh, oh okay. So you, you yes, I took okay. Lufthansa from Kenya. Oh, okay. Yes. So KLM, see, KLM, oh, they, they, KLM need to come sponsor this podcast, man. KLM, do the yeah. right thing, bring that money. You brought like almost over fifty percent of the people on this podcast. You brought them here, bring yeah, that yeah, money. Yeah. See that, that that's why I always ask about the airline because. KLM yeah. seems to have brought a whole bunch of people on this podcast to America. Exactly. And the reason I got KLM was <laughs> Lufthansa left me. I was in the ER. Lufthansa left me. Oh, okay. KLM, KLM, ER. KLM might be like, uh, we got we, we got the technicality here. You shouldn't have said that part out loud. <laughs> they were like, there's, a here. there's an African. They were like, bring him. You know them. <laughs> it was our next place. Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Landed in Minnesota, it was cold. Um, oh, so you 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 um you arrived in America. You, you so you came during winter season. Yeah, I came. Uh, I came spring, spring, January, end of January twenty eighth, around uh, February first. No, that's still winter. You got counting that spring. That's winter, man. We can't. I can't. Uh, wait, I, I can't spring when it's like March, man. January <laughs> in Minnesota. It's yeah. winter, bro. That's, I did not that, walk. That, on that's ice, the place bro. where they manufacture snow. That they have like the snow. The snow. That's where they. They test run how to make snow there, and then they send it to that part Midwest, of the country. Mid Midwest winter is different. It bites through you, and you come from Africa. It gets in here. It gets uh, yeah, exactly. You're coming from Africa. You went there straight, man. You, you should, you should. As soon as you came out of the plane, you should have just frozen right down the spot. Change to ice. My, my big African jacket felt like a vest, like a like a tank top. It felt like a white beater. The big oh, jacket yeah. I got from Africa could you, not hold. You needed an agbada with the. Jackets and the, the, the turban and everything you mix. Everything. I needed boots. I needed boots. I needed. I needed. I, wear, I dressed like a pastor. I needed warm clothes. Hey, you can. You should have rubbed Vicks instead of uh, lotion. That yeah. should have been your lotion. Vicks all In over general, your body, brother. Man, it was a big thing though. I landed uh, Wichita, Wichita State University. Yeah. And uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, two good. I I met people from church who picked me up from the airport. Unfortunately, the lady. Who we spoke from, which from Kenya, who was supposed to pick me up from the airport, did not come pick me up. Oh no! So I was, I was about in the airport for a few hours. But Dang. these church guys, uh, these church guys, uh, they had a program because some of them were abandoned two years before, where they have come Filipinos and some West Africans, mm. East and Central Africans. Uh, they got some uh, little funding from the school. They had a little van or personal cars. They would come and pick all the students who were abandoned in the airport. Apparently, it happened. Often, okay, yeah. all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not surprised, but they'd pick them up, and I'm not surprised as students of color that uh, made took that initiative too. But, yeah, we, we we brought they brought them back. They fed them. They gave them stuff. I and I still in my heart that is one of my biggest projects in the future. One once I've established myself, and I, I want to get a good local university here that you know does the same thing, especially even like Wichita, same the program the mission because they saved us. Without them, I would have not survived. I would have died because I came with pneumonia. The whole time, the car, they were just injecting steroids on me. I, I was not treated. Had they not like gone over there and used their, their names and their insurance at that time and I was, I was treated, I would have gone, my brother, because yeah. nobody knew I was here. I didn't have anybody here, so I thanked them. Now, this mission people 
had a program at that there. They helped us register for school. I still thank them to this day. Those Africans there, and that love from Wichita State is what sustained me to this day, brother. Wichita State is where my art sprouted, is where we started music, recording. Wichita, Kansas, if you ever had a Kansas, it's in the middle of America where yeah. tornadoes are. Yeah, Wichita State University, Shockers, if you watch uh, Match Madness. I don't, but I, I, I know, I know, I know the school, you know, yes. because I, I sometimes I drink and I sometimes know things. So that's where my, <laughs> I sometimes know things, but not always, but sometimes. But that's where my journey began, my brother. That's where so, my journey began. So Which wait a minute, things? wait a minute. I thought you were going to Liberty University. I was going to go to Liberty, but I remember the two options I can tell you. If I was going to go to Liberty, they would have required me to come into the States with more money because they're giving oh, you okay. So that, that's how you I ended up at Wichita. The air ticket. Okay. I barely get the flight ticket. Where yeah. would I get 45000 Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I, I, I was like, man, this guy, I, I would have, I was like, man, I don't know how I would like somebody that went to Liberty. I don't like that university. So. Yeah, yeah, I went to Wichita. I couldn't go to Liberty, man. Yeah, good. I, good. I later found out God saved me from the university. It, so it did. It indeed. I'm happy. I'm happy <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but Wichita State is where I was until three years ago when I moved to Seattle. Okay, uh, so. Wichita is where I was. Hmm? Uh, I, I don't have much time left, but um, go ahead. one question I would like to still get out before we move on to. You can always get me in, brother. This oh, is part one. We're yeah, this is definitely part one, but we're still on the university. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about your schooling in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Just in a quick, with a quick summary, what was, how will you summarize your arrival in Wichita State, your, your whole university experience? What, what do you summarize that as? Growth, a lot of growth, mm. a lot of growth, a lot of learning, firsthand racism. Oh my God, I, I am black. I didn't know I'm black. I'm black like this. I didn't know we're all black. So you're different type of black. So the most racist person in this class is not a white person, is you. So you don't like me, but your first description is African. For you to be American, you have to use my name first. You don't say just kind of all these culture shocks and then realizing that uh, my accent is a weapon, is a weapon of, you know, to, it's, it, the way I come off, like maybe thinking like it's beautiful. I'm from Kenya, apparently it scares people. Learning that different people are not well-versed with the world. Mm. Learning that different cultures exist. Yeah. Learning like, oh my God, we can coexist. and changing my stereotypes from Arabic people who I thought were also racist in Dubai to meeting good Arabs here. Mm. There's good people in everybody, learning different foods, educating each other and realizing that we are all coming from the same problems. My Somali friends in the university are struggling with tuition. My uh, Cameroonian friends are struggling with immigration. Uh, my other friends here, just realizing that America grounds all of you. Then you begin afresh. You come here with whatever caste you come, but once you get here, you begin afresh. Prime example, when I was first, when I got my first ticket, I almost got arrested when I was caught uh, slaughtering a goat inside the, the dumb bathroom. Oh, my all the goodness. This, all the this African? Not uh, me. Seriously? <laughs> I didn't know about city limits. I didn't know about city. Nobody told me. I just thought I was in the Wait, wait, wait. First, first of all, where did you get a goat from? You, you got a live okay, goat? So I did a, go a Google. I found a goat. And I brought it to the university dorm. I covered the mouth because I didn't want it to make noise. I brought it to the elevator at midnight. So I used to lock it in the bathroom, uh, in the bathtub. I go to class. So one of the students had complained that I have a pet. But the, 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 the CEO, the CEO, the community officer, had not come up there to tell me anything because he thought maybe just an African, they love ghosts as a pet. But one day, I wrote a note and I said, I'm having a birthday party. I remember, it was March. I had a birthday party and I want you guys to come to my barbecue. As an African, I thought when I slaughtered things, you know, African style, blood, yeah. and wear barbecue. It's beautiful, salad. 
when the guys came to asking me, hey, where's the food? I they walked in and caught me. I had already put the head down, but I was holding the horn and I had the knife. They saw me. There's a famous, there's a famous killer in Kansas. Okay, it was, it was what was his name? Uh, there's a famous American killer who's based in Kansas. They almost saw me like Sammy the Butcher. They saw like a horror movie, like I could take your head and do this. And me, I'm busy telling them, make soup, make soup. That was the first ticket, but cultural experience. That's uh, when I got married first. That's when I learned uh, interracial relationships. That's when I learned that there's something that we from Africa think in form of relationships and marriages and that there's a, there's a facade we sold ourselves. Uh, I learned a lot from not checking out stereotypes. Like when you marry a rich American girl, your life as an African is set, mm-hmm. you know, small things, like yeah. they change your perspective. Like when you have a baby is when you're going to be happy. And, 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 and a baby, you know, in Africa, you bring a baby, they think baby settles. Yeah. But sometimes in America, babies are tool to contribute to whatever happiness you already set. Mm. It's a part of the family. Understanding the system, going to court, uh, understanding that there's some people in this university who will never change their perspectives. Yeah. And also understand that there's also nepotism in the university uh, when they're picking uh, certain programs, uh, when they're picking certain students who are going to represent a school a certain way. Yeah. And I, and also I realized this phrase of religion. I learned a lot. University, in a few words, was my habitat for growth. Hmm. Yep, that's. I mean, you, you've you've given great examples of growth, but I, I don't think I'll ever recover from the goat. <laughs> <laughs> my name is. That they, they, they put me on the the newspaper for Kansas News. Uh, they made it so bad. They made it so bad. And so that's when I learned about city limits. You know, as an African, some oh, things we because so, you can't build without city limits and all that. My brother, we, we might have to reevaluate you being the general. <laughs> <laughs> I was providing for my people. As a general, you have to feed the people. <laughs> Wait, this, 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 this demands the a family meeting with the Bantu mm. boys. And my yeah. brothers and uh, sisters and uh, uh, my Kikiyu sister now, she would be like, yes, I got you now. You you wanted to go and replace me? I'm like, God damn, my Kikiyu sister now has a weapon against me. Oh, this <laughs> girl, that girl Priya is strong now. She, yeah, yes, she, sir. She yes, sir. Oh, oh we, 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 we will discuss this behind the curtains and um, we, 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 like, we, we, we'll fix the sanctions, the incoming sanctions. Uh, sanctions <laughs> incoming. But see what's happening in Belarus. I, I, I will not let this go. That, let me just let you know. This, this will be my everlasting. Oh, this will be my, my everlasting joke with you. Like, man, any, anytime I want to go and buy goats, I'll be calling, hey, man, I'm going to buy goats now. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the beauty of brothers, though. We, we can, we, we always find something to laugh about, but man, <laughs> and no, I love that you shared that story. <laughs> it, was, it was a good experience. Oh, it is. It uh, so, um, we can't have you here without having you talk about uh, getting into the, comi- the comedic space. And okay. you have mentioned how, you know, your accent was weaponized when you were in university and... <laughs> You had to overcome stuff like that, overcome, you know, um, you being that you, you came from um, an Anglophone African country, but coming to America means that people are still going to be telling you, hey, man, you speaking English? I don't, what are you saying? Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. 
you still didn't allow that stop you from performing public speaking and going into comedy which means standing in front of people and addressing people so how how, how did you over um how did you get over all those hurdles to do what you love and you know put yourself Music. out there Music. I dropped out of school. Unfortunately, I couldn't afford uh, uh, the tuition fee after a while. Mm -hmm. I dropped out before I went back. And during that dropout period, I, I focused on music a lot. I produced music for people. And a lot of my productions were like, if you go on my YouTube, uh, uh, General Mutombo or Fresh Prince of Africa on YouTube, you'll see a lot of the songs I used to do before. I worked with big names back then, Jeannie Wine. Uh, I sent beats to LL Cool J back in the day, Professor J. I worked with a lot of Nigerian artists back in the day. Uh, I worked with a big artist in Kenya that time. Uh, I was going by the name Dubai Mamba. Hmm. Uh, I started I, I started playing with accents. I did Jamaican tangs. I did uh, Swahili music. I did. Uh, so I was trying to like be uh, somebody with my voice without being aggressive. Remember, I'm coming again. I don't want to feel like America is another bigger glorified boarding school. Yeah. But my experience, my relationships at that time, I was going through a toxic marriage which cost me a lot, uh, took my daughter and my life reset. I call it the second chance of life. And when God gave me a second chance of life, I stand up comedy comes really good. Stand up comedy comes from tragedy, mm -hmm. right? Then you flip and you find positivity in it and you tell that just like the goat story. Right. And comedy to me was, I couldn't afford therapy. I couldn't go to a therapist. I couldn't go to a council. I couldn't afford it. Uh, you know, our community, we don't have those resources all over yeah. and Going to the comedy club, I went to a friend of mine. I think it was a double date or something. And I saw somebody's talking up there. And to me, I didn't see comedy. I saw somebody like me just telling them how how messed up the day was and laughing about it, like kind of like being practicing what I call stoicism. Mm. Like, okay, I've lost my job today. You know what? I never even loved that job anyway. There was a little honesty in that exposure and being vulnerable, which gave which I felt that was powerful for both the artists and the audience, because it takes the shame away from whatever you're going through. And it makes everybody who's going through it be able to bear it. And then when I heard people who, from people who are raped, from people who have been abused, from people who have had funny stories, rich stories, poor stories, racism stories, black people, white people, all these stereotypes. Oh, you Africans don't wear clothes. I'm like, oh, you guys, you guys get to say your stereotypes so I can say mine too. And this became my tool to be, this is my side of the story. Mm. This is my side of the story. And that's how my comedy was born. It wasn't born out of good writing. It was it came out of good experience. Now I can be like, I can talk about this AK-47 without feeling shame. I can talk about poverty in Africa without feeling shame. I can talk about how instead of saying I just got caught drinking whiskey, uh, the, the wine that the priest had, let me say exactly what happened there. And people will laugh because it really happens. Yes. I can talk about, yeah, I, this is easy for me to talk about my pain, my divorce, my, uh, my struggle with immigration in a powerful way that still gives me meaning to me, makes me feel like I'm a human. And you guys look at me as a human. You don't feel sorry for me. You're laughing with me. Hmm. You I know like what I'm that, saying? I like that you, you mentioned, you talk about, you bring up using your story to address your humanness. To show yeah, my your, humanness, my yeah, struggle with relationships. Humanity. I don't want to... Yes, I don't want to make jokes about other people. I make jokes about me. Let me tell you what happened. 
this is what happened and this is what happened when i was five we, when, when i was seven eight years old uh, we went to be circumcised me and my brothers in the village my brothers were there it was very cold have you ever been circumcised in the village the white people are looking at me like what is circumcision what is he talking about and then i have to describe this whole process it's a traditional process it's a health process where you go there and they test you to be a man America to be a man, they give you a car, your key. Uh, your dad gives you. You're 16 years. Your first car key. And in Africa, it's let's go there and see if you can hunt. Like it was different in the village. And bringing these stories without shame, without malice. Yeah. You know, say so bring these stories in a. And I'm like, you think I'm playing? When I was five, my dad brought me a big T-shirt. Uh, I did not have pants because you could not afford it. So my T-shirt just let me grow. That's why I'm big down there. I could be able to <laughs> practice this jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like uh... I'm a victim of. You know I'm saying like yeah we were twins but I came out first because my brother was stubborn I left him in the belly he came a year out later you describe things <laughs> like you describe divorce in a different way you package it like I think my mom got very attractive more attractive for my father my father said he could not handle you know men we cannot handle very attractive women so my yeah. mom had to leave my dad my dad took a rest of wife who's a little uglier than my mom but that's how we are surviving you know everybody's balanced without malice <laughs> you feel me uh, and, and those stories brought humanized me, helped me heal. And in and and, and as, as I grew deeper in comedy, um, I moved to I performed in Miami, New York. I met a couple of other celebrities. They taught me how to write. Um, I decided that Wichita was not my hub because Wichita was toxic. Wichita was still the environment, like the boarding school yeah. that all this toxicity has. For me to uproot myself and represent a different energy, I have to take myself out of this stagnant water mm. this the cradle the, the crabs we're all thinking the same yeah. we're all gossiping mm -hmm. we all, there's no environment here to grow so i moved to seattle and the environment the um, comedy um, landscape here is richer and more vibrant yeah. so i met more people and with more people you get to involve to include more in your writing you talk politics you follow me on twitter you see what i go in it yeah you talk history you find out what is the things about mental health that will help you move from just stand up to i'm hosting events for refugees I'm a hosting events for single mothers. I'm doing events. all that. Yeah. So now you 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 use your. It shows you're evolving. Move, you move from I I am me and I'm a star because I did modeling too. I think you've seen some of the pictures. Oh I've, yes, I've done that, a lot that, of, that, I've seen all that modeling. A model for yeah. I used to design suits for men's fashion warehouse. I used to do a lot, but it's it was serving me. Mm. I, I tried rest. I tried building restaurants. I came in Kansas here, but it was serving me. But when you start serving others. When you start serving others, it's a different type of satisfaction that you get. Nice. Those shows are not about me. I don't need you to give me a round of applause. I'm here for you. I'm a tool for you. Why do we love politicians? They don't come for them. They come for you. They sell themselves like they're coming for you. Tell me, what do you need? Any benefits? But me, I don't want to be a politician that takes. I'm a comedian. I want to laugh with you and help you move and change the dynamics of what we have in the diaspora for the benefit of all of us. Because when you come as an island and you want to build your own mansion in Africa, but you're not thinking about your brother who's going to come in the same predicament you are. You're not thinking about somebody else who may be stuck in the airport the way you were stuck. Mm. Somebody helped you. Yes. God saved you for you to save somebody else. Very, very important. You were given right? that second chance. Half my friends, uh, a third of my friends committed suicide within the three years because of their struggle with depression in America. The other third, they were deported. Half of them, when I tried to talk to them, they're in Africa. They didn't make it. They couldn't survive. Mm. It was hard. And things like this podcast and, and telling your story and laughing at their jokes and, and then them listening to you telling their stories to other people. Like, there's a friend of mine called Rogers, man. This guy, 
brought African things to America. He has five baby mamas. He loves women like his grandfather. He's the first polygamous African man I've seen in America. Like you start painting it not in a bad way. Yeah. But in a good way. But I, I think that's the thing where you know, I've met a couple of people who are always like, oh, they're trying to change the narrative of Africa. And I, I get I get where they are coming from. But I always, you know, say what who are you changing narrative for and what narrative are you interested in 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 giving up because at the end of the day we are humans that's the narrative i'm more interested in and if giving out um if i'm in, if i'm giving out any narrative or if by giving out a narrative means i have to exclude a bunch of people i don't have to um they if you are winning mean if you win means that i don't have to celebrate when you win then it means uh, i'm not really that's not the type of narrative i'm interested in and i noticed that the majority that seems to be popular right now is like oh the, the africa is only this africa is only shining and all the i'm like uh everywhere has rich and poor people but from the poor mm. people they are humans if you don't celebrate them if you don't share their stories too you're already excluding them. If you don't share the LGBTQ people's stories, you're excluding them. And if someone, until somebody brings their stories and then adds them, you have to include everybody and it's part of the narrative. And we are all part of the narrative. So this thing that you're doing, because I've, I've seen other stuff that you're doing where you open the doors for other people and it's uh, it goes just beyond you performing as a comedian. You do a lot of stuff that um, I know you like. You, like you said in the beginning, you're humble. You're trying to be humble. And so I'll, I'll do it for you. But um, <laughs> you, 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 you've gone beyond just performing for yourself, like you said, and you are expanding into, you know, you've evolved into making the narrative about others too and giving yes. back to the community and diaspora. And you've, you bring along, like, first time I met you, it wasn't just you. There were other um, brothers and sisters, brethren, who were native-born Americans, people from diaspora, and, you know, and it was beautiful, and that's how we connected. And I love that um, since then, I've never felt like, oh, this guy's one of those who's just only one, only okay, one, one or two people to top. win. And then that's yes. it. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. The rest, you know. So um, I, will, I would love to continue. But, you know, we'll definitely have a part two and three and five and 20. Yeah, part you know? two, but, 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 but anytime, you know, these stories to, can continue. We, 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 so to, to wrap it up, we still got to get, you know, there's two things to wrap it up. And the first one is, you know, uh, we, we needed to dance for one hour. That's what we're just going to give you, to dance okay, for one hour and give us three artists that will keep you dancing for an hour. Now, you can't cheat by giving us Drake. You can't cheat by giving us um, Jay-Z. You can't cheat. You know, you can't give us the biggest names. So I don't actually, I'm opposite. I'm opposite all of those. You, you can't you can, uh, you can be opposite because uh, they're my New York people. And um, Drake, Drake gives me, I always love the title of his albums, even though I don't buy his albums, yes. but uh, Certified Lover Boy. I mean, you can, I'm, I'm like a Certified Lover Boy too, you know? You know so I can't argue with that, you know? <laughs> I don't listen uh, to his music, but I just love the titles of his stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so give us three artists that can keep you dancing for an hour. It can be from your hometown. It can be from the continent. It can be from Seattle. Well, whatever you wanted to pick it from. Or even from uh, Dubai. We'll, we'll take it. Anyone. But give us at least I, three. At least three. I'll keep you dancing for an hour. Uh, number one, 
Number one, I love Border Boy. Ah, damn, that guy again. What, 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 yeah, Border Boy, bring money now. Bring money. Into, you, you, Border Boy, hey, number, money. number two, I love DJ Maforisa. Hey, that South guy, South. that guy is not, he's coming close to Border Boy now. DJ Maforisa. Yeah. And number three is Diamond Platinums from Tanzania. Hey, Diamond, Diamond. Okay, Diamond has, I, this only, I think Diamond's like the third time Diamond has gotten a shout out. Uh, if Diamond, if I don't think people understand how genius this Diamond is on the way to touch, he's 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 almost right there where Banner Boy is. He's the next like where Banner Boy is going from, but from the east. Mm, I, I don't know like, about he, that. I don't know about that because right now I'm a piano got me, man. I'm a piano. I, I, I don't even, I don't even care about Banner Boy right now. To be honest, no, no, no offense to Banner Boy, he's a Potaka boy, so yeah. I'm still protecting. But, but, but they're uh, all doing a man piano, bro. They're all doing a man piano. Uh, they have collaborated a, a lot. Of, a lot I'm, of I'm a, a piano, man. That's where my 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 sugar mama, my girlfriends are. All of them. They don't know that they're dating all me. But, piano. They don't know that they're dating me, but you know it's all right. It's a fine relationship. I think, the, thing, the thing about a man piano, it's changed the way we used to. You know, like back in the day when we look at Afrobeat, we just used to like shaking of the waist. But these man piano girls have changed the way Afrobeat is being danced. Like they have brought new skills. Is your knees working? Yeah, well, that's can you true. move? Yeah, that's can you true. go up? Because there, there's, there's, there's some, there's some dancing that they do with the knees. It's like, man, my hey. brother, when you finish, just call nine one one. If you don't have good knees, we advise you. Yeah, yeah follow, follow your doctors. The Federal Ministry of Health uh, wants you to, um, yeah, if you don't have good knees. The Department of Justice. Yeah, the Department, uh, Department of Health. Uh, the Surgeon General advises. Yeah. Not if you don't not have good knees, just sit down when my piano comes on. And when my piano comes, please sit down. Just, just sit, down. sit down. It's yeah. for your own yeah. good. Yes. You, can, you can't claim to don't do the anti-vax thing where we, it's for no, my no, rights, no, freedom. No, no, no. Uh, your body will tell you. Your body will tell you. As 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 Nigerians, your body go tell you. Your body will yes. tell you. Yeah, when look, your body you know tell the you, they do with the back. Look, look, uh, white America. You know the dance they do. That's that's gymnasium. That's me. <laughs> If you can't dance, you I'm on piano. It's me. <laughs> Go ahead, my brother. Uh, all right. So now let's. I, I land in Seattle. What's the first cuisine? What's the first thing you're going to take me to go eat if I come to Seattle right now and I come straight to you, Dennis? What's the first thing you're going to say? This guy needs to eat this now. What was the first thing you going to say I should eat? I have to take you to two places, called I have to take you to two places conservative, right? Okay. The first place I'll have to take you is a, a Gambian restaurant called Bantaba. Mm, Gambian. And yeah. this and this Gambian restaurant, they have the best plantain, fufu, pounded yam, jollof rice. The, if you want all that, yes. You, we, I have to take you to Bantaba. You have some of that. Okay. And then after that, I'll have to take you to a place called uh, uh, Safari Njema. Mm. Okay, Whoa. Safari Njema is one of the longest running uh, African restaurants. It's an East African restaurant uh, from Kenya. It's an old, it's a lady there who runs it. Okay, and I have to get to the tilapia, the grilled tilapia or nyamachoma, which is oh nyamachoma. I've I've not had that, but I've been, I've been waiting kale. to have it. I've been waiting because I've not been to it. I don't. There's no Kenyan place here that I've, I've seen. So with yeah, with kale or cabbage or any salad of your sort. Okay. And then with the rice and some there's some sauce they make there, it's it's fire, bro. Oh, it's, it sounds fire. Okay. 
There's also another one called there's also another one called Juba, but I can't take it to that one. That one they serve a lot of food. They give you too much. When you live there, you might not fit in your car. So yeah, well, as, as, a, as a low chieftain, you know, I've been the, <laughs> the low people made me a chieftain. Even though I've still not seen my outfit, yes. my, my, my outfit hasn't arrived yet. I'm still waiting for the chieftain outfit. I thought they would send me something. It's coming, it's coming. Okay. Uh, I, I, I might still I might still try that one too. So you know. Okay. All right, my brother. I, really love it. I appreciate right. you. Uh Asante Asana for coming on the show. Asante Asana, 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 my brother. Uh final question. What would you like to leave the audience with? You know, you can freestyle, you can leave us a, a line from one of your songs, or if you want to give us yeah. um, something from a book that you've read. Uh, yeah, just freestyle. It's your it's all on you. Final question, man. Yeah. What I want to leave you with, guys, is what I want to leave you guys with is there's nothing above you. I'm speaking to everybody. I'm speaking to everybody who's chasing something. I'm thinking, I'm I'm thinking that's everybody who's going through something. And I'm talking about people who also have dreams and they're in certain positions they think they can't get out of. So above you might be good or bad. Above you, in in a in a in a good sense or in a positive space, is there's no dream that's not achievable. There's no goal that's not achievable. I came with one thing, and right now I'm way far from any career that I've done. I've tried things, and every time you try things and it don't work out, you go back to the gym. You go back to the gym. You go back to the drawing board. Like Drake said, you have to go and shoot with me in the gym. Go do again, again. There's, you don't run out of options. All these people you see in the world, there's nothing above them. 10 years ago is when they started this computer stuff, Amazon stuff. 12 years ago is when Kevin Hart started. 47 years old is when Samuel Jackson became the biggest, one of the biggest actors in America. There's no deadline yeah. for growth. Mm. There's no, there's nothing above you. You can achieve it. If you're going through a bad thing, if you're in a bad spot, the people have been bullied, the people who have mental issues, depression, people in a dark space in their life right now, especially with the pandemic or just the disability of the destabilization from home countries like Mali today, Uganda, right? Some of these countries, Ethiopia, Tigris, yeah. where they're going through that. No, there's nothing that you can't overcome. There's nothing you can't get over. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, you might be in a toxic space, but there's nothing you can't get over. You got it in you. Your destiny is written, you, you, you are not marked off the destiny because you don't believe or you don't belong. You belong in every space like everybody else. Fantastic. And the best way to recognize that is to allow yourself to know that everybody deserves to be also where you are. Mm. There's enough cake at the top for everybody. I, if billionaires gave a portion of their wealth away, they'll still be billionaires today. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Thank you, my brother. Um, well, how can people find you? Or where can people find you? Best place to uh, enjoy your content. Please uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, Fresh Prince of Africa, uh, Dubai Dennis or General Mutombo. If you type General Mutombo on Google, it bring everything from my Twitter, uh, from my YouTube, uh, General Mutombo, uh, Fresh Prince of Africa, or the African Excellence Podcast, which is on every platform, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, 
vibe with me, man. Shoot me a message. Uh, go over there, consume the content. Um, one of the biggest media influencers here in Seattle. Yeah, let's let's trade ideas. Let's hop on each other's platform. Let's grow, man. I'm also on Clubhouse. So sometimes when you have something over there, just call me and put me on. Let me hear what we are. Oh, you can just bounce on Zoom here. All righty. You heard yes. it from the man himself. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. And yeah, Mbana, and shout out to you always. We'll be in touch. And yeah, don't forget, you can send feedback on whitelabelamerican.com. And yeah, you can send your feedback also by voicemail um, and yeah, or written. All righty. We'll see you all next week. Keep the love coming in and stay awesome. More life. All righty. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.